There's always a bypass key, a virus key, a who cares key. I can never remember, so I just call it a goober. Give it. Peter B. Parker. Ladies, gentlemen, and variations thereupon, this is Modern Escapism. Hello and welcome to the show. My name is the Cup of Christ Oodles, and today I am joined by... He's part of the Rebel Alliance and a traitor! It's Gadget. <laughs> Don't you... <laughs> <laughs> but absolutely, and I have the plans. <laughs> He's the bastard son of an ice giant. It's Stig. This is my glorious purpose. And last but not least... The panty raiding party monster himself. It's Biggie. <laughs> what? <laughs> do, 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 do I need to put a bed of Louie Louie under here? I think you do. <laughs> <laughs> and today, as you can see, or here, it's the boy zone. Candy is not available today. She has prior engagements. So strap into the boy zone. There's <laughs> 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 the, the episode title. <laughs> <laughs> but before the boys. Get on with their toys. We've got. Fucking hell, man! <laughs> we have something to, to sell. Where is this? You bring back candy immediately. Can someone put a bottle of vodka in his mouth? <laughs> no. Let's sell some shit. Come on. Yeah, we have a Patreon. If you head over to patreon.com forward slash modern escapism, you can see what we do on there. We have three tiers on there. The first up is modern escapees. That's for £5 a month. You'll get an extended edition of this episode every week as well as any monthly specials we do we are currently also in the midst of our too fast too curious special where gadget and biggie watch the fast and the furious franchise for the first time and uh they're loving it mm. absolutely loving mm. it it's a car <laughs> crash by, so far <laughs> yeah by the time you'll have heard this we'll have both watched fast and furious as well yes oh. yeah and uh yeah so you get that and any monthly specials we also do a dungeons and dragons player podcast called do dragons dream of scott sheep and for five pounds a month you can get ad free early access to that as well as any battle maps artwork uh, original songs anything we create for the show as well as being able to suggest npc and item names to gadget and if you want it all and you're feeling flush the biggie bundle is seven pound fifty and that gets you everything Mm, mm, mm. Sweet everything. everything. That's what you want. Excellent. So that's the uh, corporate shilling that we needed to do. Um, so let's just let's get on with what we've been up to this week. Uh, we'll start with Biggie. Oh crap! Okay, um, <laughs> <laughs> was not expecting that. So yeah, a um, couple of things I wanted to cover. Um, one very quickly watched ET with my daughter for the first oh. time. Mm. She does not like E.T. <laughs> no, I used to be terrified of him. He's a horrible testicle monster. He's horrible. Yeah. It's, it's his little feet. That backfired a little bit. She and loves aliens. It's, it's, it's the screaming. Yeah, she I'm, loves I'm, aliens. She's a bit young for that, isn't she, Biggie? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's about the age when I saw it. But no, um, yeah, she uh, struggled a little bit with that, to be fair. Um, there, were, there were moments when she really liked it and thought he was cute, and then... 
there were times mm. it didn't work so well. So it was interesting because I wasn't sure whether to put it on, but the rating is universal. Yeah. Which is like, it's suitable for all ages. So I was quite surprised. Uh, Did you know about the undertone, like, like the secret um, story in E.T., uh, where it, it's about Elliot's dad that's been divorced to his mum and his dad works for the gov- one of the government people that are in that film? It's such a strange subplot that no one talks about. Yeah, I mean, it's it's referred to a few times, but you don't actually meet his dad, right? He's one of the guys with the torches. Is he really? Yeah, Spielberg has outright said that's one of his, that's his dad. <laughs> so not the yeah, guy, it's... not the, the I forgot the guy who helps Elliot. It's one of them anyway. One of the one of the government people because obviously they're in like New Mexico or Nevada or somewhere like that. Yeah, anyway, yeah. Aren't they? like Area Area Fifty One kind of place. And yeah, apparently one of, one of those. Um, men in Black uh, is Elliot's dad. So, oh wow, it's no, a weird that. subplot that no one talks about. It's 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 on one of the makings of that I watched years ago, and it's always just stuck to me. But um, yeah, the magical direction of Spielberg still holds up. I know um, he's a renowned director, but watching it for the first time now since God knows when I last saw it. Um, yes, the bicycle scene does look a bit ropey now. <laughs> um, if George Lucas could get his hands on it, he could probably turn that into quite a nice scene with uh, it not looking so bad now. But other he, than that, he, George Lucas had put fucking like flames coming out of the back end of the. He then he'd have like the Millennium Falcon fly ac- across the top of it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, Yo- Yoda is in that in that film, isn't he? So yes, he is. Yeah, there's lots of little nods to that. Funny enough, um, but yeah, it's it, you know. It, it is what it is. I'm sure she'll watch it again another day and really I like enjoy it. it. Um, I watched Candyman, the original. Uh, obviously, people are talking about the new one being out and about, but uh, I thought I'd go back and watch the old one. Does um, it hold up? Quite interesting. Huh? Does it hold up? <sighs> yes and no. There are a lot of ratio, stay that again, racial stereotypes yeah. throughout. Um, it was filmed in the 90s. Um, it's a bit cliched at times but actually it's a supernatural sort of almost like a serial killer movie it kind of does hold up the gore's a bit mm. hit and miss here or there there's a great scene where uh todd terry the actual um candy man has a mouth full of real bees yeah I don't know if you remember yeah. this scene and he passes it on to virginia madison who plays rosie um he passes that on to her, and it just looks really cool. Very, you probably I'm sure that was that. on the box art or do a poster. You, do you know Tony Todd had it written into his contract that he got like a payout for every bee sting that he received? $23,000 yeah. per Thou- sting. Yeah, wow. It's like a, a thousand, yeah, it's like $1,000 per sting. Yeah. I'd have been uh, chewing on them. <laughs> <laughs> and apparently, to be really careful because Virginia Madison is allergic to bee stings. So, uh, oh, wow. Who signs I mean, up for a film where, like, yeah. it's full of bees? Not <laughs> by CGI. <laughs> I mean, yeah, the, CGI bit. Now, this I'm really interested in seeing the new one, though. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm the same. And this is the the old one's currently on Netflix. So if you got that, you can watch it. But um, yeah, it was it was alright. I quite enjoyed watching it. I've seen worse. Put it that way. Um, mm. And I think the majority of the movie holds up. Um, but I just really wanted to quickly talk about. Um, I, I mentioned this guy before, Scratch Bastard. Um, it was his birthday this week, so he did a birthday stream the other night. And I don't know if 
people here know how Twitch works when it comes to streaming and hype trains? Have you heard about any of this before? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen hype trains. Oh, we've garnered many a hype train on our streams before. So usually crashed into it, crashed and gone off the rails. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he he does it quite a lot on his streams, and he normally hits level five with the you know he he has anything between eight hundred and a thousand viewers on his average streams. Wow. And um, he quite regularly throughout his stream launches a hype train and it goes up the levels. And for those that don't know, somebody, either he or a mod, hits this button that sets off the hype train <laughs> and it goes up five levels. And you've got maybe three minutes to go up each level. And to make them go up a level, you have to get people to sub, give away subs, pay money to get little bits to cheer and put little emotes in, all this kind of thing. And he generally... Does it every time he does a height train. He hits level five, and then it sort of stops, and it goes up a percentage as people still sub in as the height train comes to an end. It's all a bit of fun. It shows support for the streamer. They make money out of it. It's all good. So anyway, um, this particular birthday night, um, he was announced he was doing the stream, and they had people sort of warming up his stream. So you have people like the Next Men, who are um, UK DJs. Bunch of mutants. Yeah, and there are um, a couple of other DJs that all sort of warmed up the set, ready to go and twitch to his page. And he started streaming for about half an hour, and then he says, right, I'm going to, you know, here goes the hype train, off it went. In 30 seconds, literally went from level one to level five. It's still subscribers, isn't it? Yeah. He got raided at the same time. He was mixing and scratching away, and it went to level five, and he hit 3K percentage, 3,000%. During this stream and this hype train, it's the fastest I've ever seen it happen. The amount of subs that people were donating to other people they obviously didn't subscribe, they were just flying everywhere. It was just insane with him scratching away. And it was one of the, the most impressive things I've ever seen in my life. And it just shows you that when somebody is really popular yeah. and is natural the way he is, like it's just really nice to see the support that he had. And people were raiding while this was all happening. It was just, it was just intense. It was intense. It was amazing. Does Twitch allow music then? Absolutely. I don't know how it works. I don't. I don't know how. Is it because it's his music? He's allowed to do it. But it's not his music. He's he's scratching, scratching. Yeah, yeah. Samples people's and records. But he doesn't have like a thirty-second intervals and then stops. So I don't think it works that way. So I couldn't tell you. I've really maybe, no maybe certain certain um, certain authors and stuff. Are, these are allowed. They've got certain permissions. Who knows? But I know, like, they used to be like Twitch karaoke, didn't they? And you got away with it because there weren't the real tracks. Yeah, yeah I mean, he, and, he does a lot and of... And then the people who made karaoke backing tracks went, hang on a second. Yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but he does a lot of crate digging. So, I mean, he he, go, he shows original samples, how they have been used in hip-hop or, yeah, or whatever. Yeah. And it, it's amazing to watch. But, yeah, I, I don't know how the DMA kind of thing works with Twitch. But I couldn't imagine watching, like... A DJ or, or a musical act on Twitch and not want to be dancing while I'm watching it. You know I, mean? I can't help it. I am nodding. Yeah. I was washing up when he was doing this. <laughs> That's what I mean. And I was just booging away in the, in the. You just can't, but not. You know, if you, if it's the music that you like, yeah, it, it will get you going. It really will. But yeah, I was just. I've never seen anything like it. And he did it twice as well. It happened twice in that evening. Oh, you love to see it. You really the support do. Support was just incredible. But I've never seen a hype train go that quickly. And even he had to stop and just go, oh my God, this is <laughs> too much hype. I'm, I'm all in <laughs> <Yeah>. on hype. <laughs> it was great. It was just really nice to see. Um, but yeah, uh, incredible stuff. Really enjoyed watching it. But yeah, that's it for me. Brilliant. Brilliant. We'll move on to me now because I decided this. Um, I watched a film that I have not been as disappointed in for a long time. This, this really let me down, this film. And 
I don't recommend it, so I'm doing you a service. And some of you have probably already seen it. It's called A Quiet Place 2. Oh, I want to see this. <laughs> oh, I've my God. Um, it's more of the same, isn't it? The first film I really liked, um, directed by John Krasinski um, from The Office. Um, I think that was his first directorial debut. I think it's his think debut. So. Um, Great place one was, yeah. Yeah, and it was a really tense uh, horror film, supernatural, well, more sci-fi kind of, where basically there was these creatures that they're blind, so it's all about hearing, and you can't you can't make a noise because they'll come and just... For, they don't eat you, they just whack you <laughs> with the big long arms. It's so weird. Um, and I thought, oh, Quiet Place 2, let's go, let's go. I used a voucher from my bank. Very quickly, I, I just want to say about the Quiet Place 1, it is a brilliant representation of hearing issues, particularly oh, yeah. if you're deaf. Yeah. Um, I'm half deaf, and um, I totally respect what they pulled across in that movie. I thought it was brilliant. Yeah, they really do well all done. the Makaton and American Sign Language and stuff, don't they, really She's, well? She's uh, the young girl, and it is deaf. Yeah, so she is. Yeah. yeah. Except, the first, I thought the film, first film were exceptional. The sequel, oh, it is basically, um, it feels like DLC to a film. <laughs> <laughs> It That's is. a very good way to describe it. And I actually saw someone like say not those words, but very similar that it was just a kind of continuation kind of yeah. thing. It doesn't do anything. It started off really strong. It was a it was a, a flashback to how uh, why the aliens not how, not why sorry how the aliens came to Earth and stuff, and uh, they showed you the initial invasion in inverted commas, and then it came back to the modern day uh, straight straight away after the first film. They just continue now. The character, the kids have aged. I was going to say they haven't aged by a couple of years at this yeah, point. Yeah, you can tell. You can tell because they're a bit taller. <laughs> um, but luckily, they don't have to speak really, so you're not mm. going to hear a puberty hitting and stuff like that. And yeah, it just it's got it, instead of John Krasinski uh, in this one, it's got Killian Murphy. Who I always love to see Killian Murphy in a film. He is fucking shit in this. He's <laughs> proper shit. He is. He is. If he wasn't physically there, he'd be dialing it in. Uh, he's hardly <laughs> recognisable. He's just covered in beard, and he's just crap. Um, the whole film is just just a slog. Like me, me, me and the wife started watching it. We fell asleep uh, at the beginning, uh, halfway Ooh. through it, and we're it's saying, not a good thing for a yeah. thriller. <laughs> yeah, no. we'll, we'll carry on watching it tomorrow because I use the voucher for a rental. Um, we'll carry on watching it tomorrow else we're going to lose it forever one of those kind of, kind of things mm. uh, and we started watching it again and we both were just oh, we predicted absolutely everything that happened it's just it doesn't bury the lead at all you know exactly what the main the goal is from the get go um, the characters do annoying things like when when your mother oh, no, has kept you, kept you alive for so long and says don't move what, what does the kids do they move Rocks off yeah. Fucking, honestly, when he started doing that, I was like, what the fuck? Like, it, this is just... it does your fucking head in. And, <laughs> yeah. and one of my least favourite tropes in films is children in peril, especially babies, and there's a baby in peril. Uh, so, And it's not used well either. It's just used awfully. And the creatures, there's no explanation still. Um, all they do is whack you. <laughs> they don't do anything. They don't eat you. They don't harvest you. They just punch you. <laughs> 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 I can't even explain why, but... Yeah, it's just shit. Don't watch it. No. Don't waste. Don't waste your time. Didn't some people? I'm swear I've seen this somewhere because it's not quite clear how these alien creatures, whatever you want to call them, how they hear the sounds so well 
No. Because they're saying if you're ha- people are like tiptoeing and stuff, yeah. when you have natural bodily functions like farting or burping snoring. or stomach this, growling, it's like... Yeah. This is exactly why away? I couldn't even get on with the first one because the premise falls down. It does. It, it's it does. Straight it's away. Immediately, isn't it? Immediately. It's, like, it's nice like, and tense, though, the first one. That's what I yeah, like about it. Yeah, it's intense, but in the first one, like, you see he has newspaper clippings up about the aliens. Right. So explain to me, the aliens have landed. Yep. They hear noise. Mm-hmm. A newsprint is pretty loud. Yeah. <laughs> then you have yeah. to distrib- distribute that around the country on loud trucks. <laughs> they do a stupid thing How as well. did anyone get hold of the newspaper? <laughs> the, 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 the annoying thing about The Quiet Place, the first film, is that like, I really enjoyed it when it, um, I first saw it. Um, it's, a, it's a film that you can watch at face value and find enjoyable. Yeah. Yeah, but as soon as like, you know, I don't know if you you guys all do this, but whenever I've seen a film, like I like to sit and ruminate on it for a couple of hours after. Same, so I yeah. like to sit and mull it over in my head, talk with whoever I went to see it with, mm-hmm. stand there with and your I, with your hand on your chin, thinking. Yeah, yeah, stroking the beard. I do yeah. that. Um, and I, I I remember when when I first saw it, and I'm sat there thinking. How how did they get all that sand? Yeah, it's all bollocks. All <laughs> <laughs> things bollocks. It was, it was uh, or, you know, they're in a situation where they've been surviving for quite a while. Yeah. Fair enough. Why did they get? Why does the child want the noisy toy? Yep. He's young. You should know that the noisy toy means yep. death. Yeah. Yep. Also, you know, why are like that? Why aren't they wearing shoes? Because like, <laughs> you, like they're still your feet are still going to make the same amount of noise regardless if you're in shoes or you're barefooted and you're more likely to step on something and go Ow! evidently yeah, yeah. <laughs> if, you, if you're not wearing shoes yeah this is what because they wanted to set up that precise scene where she steps on the nail yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. this is what I, I hated about the sequel right there's a bit where they're having to walk down the same path where they've put sand Spoilers. on the floor um, yeah they're, they're kind of spoilers but I'm spoiling it for your benefit guys um <laughs> Where they're walking up and down a path, they put sand on the floor, but there's still rocks protruding. At the side, there's grass. Walk on the fucking grass. <laughs> Stop doing this stupid thing. It's a normal country lane. There is grass. Stay on the fields. You, oh yeah, it's crap. But that's not the main thing I wanted to chat about. But I couldn't help it. So I've been playing a game that uh, I was given a code. Uh, but luckily, you'll be able to play this on Game Pass by the time you hear this. Um, I've been playing it for a few weeks now. It's called Crown Trick. It's by Next Studios and published by Team 17. Now, does any of you here, do you like Crypt of the Necrodancer? I love Crypt of the Necrodancer. Do you like Cadence of Hyrule? I fucking love Cadence of Hyrule. Do you like Enter the Gungeon? Of course. Who doesn't love Enter the Gungeon? Well, you're going to love Crown Trick because this, it's a beautifully animated roguelike RPG. Now, you've, you've done it again. You've brought another game where I've just immediately Googled it, gone on the image search, the graphics are fucking it? charming, yeah. and I want it. Well, you don't have to you, pay you for it. You cost me £17 last week, man. Yeah, but you don't have to pay for this one. It's coming on Game Pass. So, oh, thank um, God for that. Basically, if you've played any of those those um, those tile-based um, RPGs um, where each movement is a turn, it's kind of turn-based, but it's action turn-based. So any movement, even turning left and right is a turn. That Crypt of the Necrodancer and Cadence of Hyrule and, yeah. and that kind of thing. Um, it's that, but done oh so well and oh so, like, accessible. Like, some of these roguelikes, people go, fucking hell, there's too much, there's too much to handle. No, no, not with this. This is, this is just simple. You get the premise. Every action is a move. The enemies, you, you can literally put the pad down and no one's going to hurt anybody. You know what I mean? No one's going to touch each other. 
But you press a move, you either wait, you turn left, you turn right, you go forward, you go backwards, you, you attack with your sword. That's a move. And everything moves while everything moves. And that is such a clever way. Like, obviously, with Crypt of the Necro Dancer, it was uh, rhythm-based, wasn't it? Music-based. Yeah, it was to, to the beat. So, this is the, I mean, I'm just I'm just watching a trailer of it right now. Mm. It, um, it, it, it's got that... It, it seems like it's got that feel of like um, into the breach. Yeah, where you yeah. kind of oh, queuing, yeah. queuing up, queuing up moves, and then trigger it all at once. Yeah, and see if you like happens. into the breach, you'll love this. You'll love it. Um, it's got a um, Alice in Wonderland kind of vibe to it as well, uh, and a bit of um, Guillermo del Toro to it. It's got a bit of Pan's Labyrinth to it as well. So if you like any of the things I've just described, you're going to love the way you it. say his name. That's how that's how you say it, uh, and uh, it's just it's just really good. Like on some of these roguelikes, the bosses are the the big. The big walls out there that you just can't you just can't beat these bosses. You can have yeah. the best run, you can not be attacked one, but the bosses on this are so uh, easily manipulated because of the powers. You get to pick basically in each in each run, you get to pick two summons, and these summons are your magic. So let's say you pick a dragon, you're gonna be fire based for that for that little run. Then halfway through the dungeon you get to pick another one. So you can a bit like Hades, you know where you choose between the gods. Yeah, it's like that. So you could be fire and ice. So whatever's coming at you, you know something's gonna. There's, there's gonna be no enemies that are immune to fire and ice. It's just never gonna happen, no. is it? And it's that synergy. It, yeah, it's that kind of synergy. Like my first run, I went in with a black hole summon. So it would just summon it. It's, anything that was in that room, it just summoned this magic spell, summoned them all to the center. And I thought, right, they're all there. And I've got this big ice um, spider thing to to attack them with. So. I'd had him in a black hole, surrounded by ice, and I was just battering the fuck out of him, and I beat the boss. You know what I mean? <laughs> it just makes you feel good because you've manipulated the rules that it's got. It's very D and D rules as well. Like you, everything that D and D does, it makes sense in this. And right, it's, it's, I think it's going to be a proper sleeper hit because of Game Pass. I think it's PC and Xbox Game Pass, and it's just it's, oh, I'm I'm so glad I've had it early and I've got to be there before everyone else starts talking about it. I believe it's been out on PC for some years. <laughs> uh, you can do that came, in between is completed, yeah, mate. Completed, mate. I, I, it, mate. <laughs> I, I haven't actually completed it. It's it's um it's quite chunky and it's, it's similar to Hades, where I believe you feel like you've completed it, but there's a lot more to do. Uh, but yeah, I've just oh, it's just so. I, I'm even going to probably buy it on Switch when it comes out on Switch. Oh wow! It's going to be putting your money where their mouth is. Oh, absolutely! I think it's one of the best Team Seventeen published games in a long time. Um, I look forward to whatever these guys do next, and I, I, I just hope it hits. But rather than me explaining what it is and what it looks like, just have a look at the um, trailer or something like that. Yeah, yeah, I think if you anything that I've described there, if anything tickles your fancy, you'll you'll absolutely love it. It's 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 so good. So yeah, Crown Trick, please just. It'll be, by the time you listen to this, it should be on Game Pass. So get it downloaded. Come on. <laughs> Next up, we shall have Stig. Yeah, this week I finished uh, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. Oh, yes. Yes, I really enjoyed it uh, overall. Um, I, for whatever reason, I just sat and played for, for about four hours of the night and just finished it off. You got in the zen, mate. You got in the zen. Yeah, I thought I was like, I must be near the end here. And I did one boss and I was like, oh, that's not the ending. Okay. And then. It went on for like another two levels. I thought I thought we might do this boss. It might be like a sub boss, and then there'd be a boss afterwards. But then there's like there's like another hour and a half gameplay after that. But yeah, really good, gorgeous looking game. Really mm. fun. Um, definitely worth uh, picking up. Um, maybe when it's reduced in price a bit. Like I say, I got it in my bundle, so it kind of came with my 
PS5. But yeah, when it drops like 30 quid or something, definitely worth picking up. It looks fun. It looks really good. Yeah, yeah. it's really good. So it's like I said before, it's my first Ratchet and Clank game. So, um, I Is know, it like, you want to play the others now? Yeah, I'm, I'm quite tempted to play that PS4 one. Mm, it's great. Um, yeah, it is really good. It's, that's how you do a, a, a remake, a remaster. Yeah. I'm quite tempted to give that a go at some point when I get through like the mountain of other games I've got. I always preferred Sly Cooper, but you, you can't argue with a Ratchet and Clank game. Uh, the other thing is, I've watched a couple of films this week. First one was a film called Censor. Mm. It's a um, kind of psychological horror film directed by... Prano Bailey Bond uh, stars Neve Algar, Michael Smiley, and um, a various other people that no, one, no one's probably ever heard of. I've not heard any of them you've just said. No. Never heard of Michael <laughs> Smiley? I don't think so. It's oh. ringing a bell with me either. Uh, anyway, uh, it's about uh, a young girl, who Enid, who works for the film censors in the 1980s. So her job is to basically watch video nasties and recommend Ooh. what needs cutting out to... Oh, so censor with a C. Yeah, as in, like, yeah, censor, censorship. You are censorship something, yeah. So her job is to go, basically go through and say, this needs cutting out, this needs cutting out, and then you can have your film released or outright just banning it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's set in the 1980s in the middle of, like, Thatcher's Britain and when everyone said, you know, thought that the video nasties were the, the worst thing in the world. It's quite horrible- sexy then. And nope. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and these horror films were like, you know, the, the worst thing to come out of uh, the world. And uh, yeah, so, but she starts to, um, she's got a bit of a uh, checkered past where she, one day she was out with her sister. You see all kind of this in flashbacks and her sister disappeared. And she watches a film, which is very reminiscent of that incident. Oh. And it starts to trigger a lot of things in her and she starts to believe that the woman she's watching in one of these films is actually her sister. She thinks that this woman is her sister grown up Ooh, creepy. because they never found the body. They never knew what happened to her sister. She just went missing. So she thinks as this woman she sees in one of these films is actually her sister. And it kind of sends her down this spiral of where she kind of ends up in her own, like kind of video nasty. Wow. Sounds like an um, eight millimeter. The uh, Nicholas Cage film. Yeah, I can't remember much from that film, oh, to be yeah. honest. That's a video nasty film as well. Yeah. It it, it was all right. It's, I give it a three out of five. Um, I think it probably could have explored the things a few more. It's a weird one where it's only about an hour and a half long, and even though part's drugged, I think it could have benefited for being a bit longer to kind of let things develop, if you know what I mean. Like, yeah. there's a few things where they could have kind of got rid of and let things develop more. And uh, But the ending is really cool. Um, I kind of really like the ending, but yeah, if you kind of like into your psychological horrors, something a bit uh, different, then that's kind of worth checking out. Cool. Uh, the other thing that I watched this week, the main thing is I watched Marvel's newest film, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Yeah, boy, now we're talking. Uh, it was all right. All right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> That's what they said about Black Widow as well. It was all right. I'm like, no, what's happening? There's a lot of praise for this film, mm. and I can see where some of the praise is coming from, but I also have my issues with it. Um, oh, but no. overall, I enjoyed it. So it's a good film overall. Uh, like I said, I wasn't blown away. I, I think uh, uh, Simu Liu is, in the title role of Shang-Chi, is really good. Like, oh, this good. is a guy who, he's got a lot of charisma. He's, he's fighting, he's brilliant. And 
He's bloody you, gorgeous as well. You you can see mm. him like yeah, it's just slotting into the MCU perfectly, and people really warm into him and really like into him. Uh, Aquafina, I'm a big fan of Aquafina. I think she's great in everything I've seen her in. So I, like, I was really, I really liked her and his interaction because they're like best friends in the film. So her comedy is like really welcomed in it. Um, it's about the most un MCU film they've ever done. Wow, in my opinion. Um, so even though it kind of has superhero elements to it especially when it comes to like the 10 rings and the magical powers of the 10 rings and what they do. Um, there's certainly a lot of things in there that even back in phase two, I think that even, even with thought and guardians of the galaxy, I don't think back in phase two, people would have been ready for this film. Is it more akin to like uh, Dr. Strange? Cause that, that, that threw a lot of people off because it was yes. mystics. There's a lot of mystical stuff. There's a lot yeah. of, of uh, fantastical stuff. There's a lot of magic and a lot of like kind of old Asian lore and things like that uh, mixed into this. So, but yeah, we've come a long way from like Iron Man one and Captain America, which are fairly mm. standard affairs. Uh, Doctor Strange was awesome. Oh yeah, I, I agree. But I find it fascinating that they've brought Shang Chi out already. Mm. When there's there's so much as well that they can delve into. But it's fucking cool. This is like. I I mean I'm a comic book nerd, but this is like low tier Marvel. Yeah. Stuff. Oh yeah, like, I never thought they'd have picked him out. To be honest, there's some great there's some great Shang Chi um, omnibuses and stuff. Some some great like cameos as well when in, in the big Secret Wars and stuff like that. But wow, <laughs> do you know what I mean? They've done this. Yeah, like yeah. like I I'd heard that his special power is he's the world's greatest martial artist. Fine, he's a really good fighter. How does that kind of help when someone say like Thanos appears? Yeah, it blows my mind that they've done they've done Shang Chi before. Nuts. Namor, Where, where's Namor? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like he's coming, but like the, the film does a good way of kind of introducing the Ten Rings and the magical powers, and that kind of gives him. And by the end of this, he's very overpowered. But I, not to spoil anything, but by the end of this, I think he would beat up Captain America. Ooh, <gasps> he could do this all day, though. Remember. Yeah, so I mean, the fact the fact that he's he's fighting and that is America's ass. <laughs> it <yeah>. is. <laughs> his his fighting is is like amazing. There is some absolutely amazing fight scenes in this. Like that's one of the best things I loved about this. It's very Jackie Chan. Uh, I believe like some of the court, like the choreograph guys and the fighting coordinators and that have worked with uh, Jackie Chan before. Uh, the scene on the bus, um, there's just glimpses of it in the trailer. Like that yeah. is absolutely brilliant like the, the fighting in it is so good uh so yeah the fighting when it's hand to hand and stuff like that is really really good where it kind of loses itself is the last act i think where it gets to the big showdown and it's a bit cgi look ah, like Marvel with it's last your typical acts. yeah it's your typical <laughs> like big bombastic thing and i kind of think it just kind of loses its way uh, a bit there so brad allen who died recently um yes I think that's him, isn't it? Yeah, he did the stunt coordinating for, or, or was part of it, for Shang-Chi. And he was one of the first non-Asian yeah. stuntmen ever to join Jackie Chan's troop and actually lead the troop as well. He's amazing. Edgar Wright talked a lot about Brad Allen recently when he passed away. And uh, yeah, I think this is possibly his last film that he worked on. Wow. Yeah, he- It's a real shame. No, no wonder the martial arts were so good. Yeah, he, he did work on this because I was listening to a, uh interview with the lead um, today actually you just talked about working with him and how like amazing he was and stuff like that but uh, yeah like the the Asian cinema inspiration is like all over this film 
from stuff like the Wushu fight in there's there's it's absolutely yeah. gorgeous in places like the opening kind of prologue to the film where it kind of explains about the Ten Rings and how his dad came about them and how he met his mother and everything. It's just like the cinematography, the movement, the the, the martial arts and everything, and all of that is like it's it's brilliant. But like I said, like as it goes on, the further it gets towards the end, it just kind of for me just lost its way a little, and that's kind of like where it fell down. Um, but it goes places like it really goes like, like some I, crazy I places know. I wasn't expecting it to go to. Yeah, I know the story of, of Shang-Chi and I won't say it just in case I guess it right, but I know this, there, there is a, there's an enemy of Shang-Chi that's not the likes of which have, has not been seen on the MCU yet. It's, it could surprise a lot of people. Um, have they stuck with like his origin, like American Chinese? Have they done that? Have they? Have yeah, they... yeah, yeah. Oh, so that's cool. Uh, you meet him at the start, and him and Katie, who's Aquafina's character, yeah. they're just kind of, they're just, um, well, he's a bus boy, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Proper, proper, like um, fish out of water type thing. It's yeah, similar to Doctor it... Strange. Um, yeah, that that's good. It, it, it sounds like it's hitting a lot of the same beats as Doctor Strange because I remember when that same, came out. They're in the same team in a way. When, when, when I, I remember when Doctor Strange came out and everyone was saying, ah, it's all right. Yeah. You know, like, and it, it, it's, it's only like, as the, MCU, as the MCU went on, people started liking Doctor Strange, the character, a lot more. Yeah, yeah. That, I think people thought. really like this character. I think the character is brilliant. I'm, I'm really glad they've got Because the there's, mm. there's a lot to it, the mysticism in, in Marvel that DC um, lacks a lot of. Um, when when they do mystical, I mean, in DC piece. lacks a lot compared to the yeah. MCU. <laughs> when, when, when DC Quality do mystical, it's it's stupid mystical. But when 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 Marvel did, especially in the books, and Biggie will know, it's 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 grounded in like mythology, and it's really clever. And I just hope it. I hope, I hope that lands for people. That films are films. You know what I mean. Sometimes it's it, it's going to be oh, someone's favorite film, and it, it's landed for loads of people. I've seen loads of people saying like my updated list. Some people put it at number one. Some people it's put broken it in top records, five, hasn't top it, already? ten. Like it's, but I just there's something about it just does wasn't clicking for me that made it like up there. I I've put it in as I've got my list on Letterbox and I include the TV shows in this and it yeah. sits at seventeen and seventeen seems like a really low number. It's not not when obviously the list is twenty eight <laughs> yeah. long and nice mid table. 13 and 19 there's not a lot in it do you know what i mean they could interchange between each other depending on yeah. how i feel and i watch i might watch it again and go actually i feel more up on that and move it up my list so there's I not a lot in character there but... might appear in something like you know when the tv shows were still same mate of, same like i'm fist or luke yeah Cage or something. i thought shang chi might appear in something like that i mean i hope we get a shang chi doctor strange uh Mix up our uh, crossover because and Black Panther as well. That that's another one that they always intersected in the books. So, so this isn't a spoiler. It's in the trailer. So it's a spoiler if you've not seen the trailer. Mm-hmm. But Wong, <laughs> Wong is in this film. There you go. That's what you needed. It's a cameo, but he's yeah. in this film. So there is a link there already. It's just to interrupt. I've got my notes open for what I'm going to be talking about. Um, and I happen to be on ScreenRant.com for a bit that I'm going to describe. Um, and in the trending now, there is a spoiler for Wong's involvement oh, in, the, in the film. And I'm just looking at it now going, mm, cheers, mate. Yeah. <laughs> I hate that. I, I never spoil something like that. Just like, just put like, don't do not do that. Just, if it's in the trailer, like, it's, 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 it's game. It's game for anybody. Just, say, just, just put in the title something like Wong's involvement, click here or something. Don't yeah. put the actual bloody spoiler. Anyway, yeah. overall, I really enjoyed it. Uh, it's, it's not 
like it's not up there for me. Like again, it's mid tier Marvel for me. Uh, but I, I do think without Marvel, this wouldn't hit really the general public at all. Like I, I assume it's set up for a sequel or like. Oh yeah, of course it's set up to link to all the yeah. MCU. It's I reckon all, we'll see him in, in another in another uh, not a standalone film. I, I think they're going to do a lot of like duo films coming up soon. Yeah, yes. they are. They, they're definitely a lot of stuff of like Miss the Marvel, Miss Marvel, and yeah. and Captain Marvel and stuff. That yeah. is so, but. It does one thing which kind of ties up a loose end from a previous MCU film. Ooh. And I think they did a good job with that. Ooh, that's got me intrigued. So, yeah. Mm, excellent. I'm, I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad you, loved, you, you enjoyed it. I enjoyed it, yeah. It's like, I mean, I enjoy all the MCU, though. Like, yeah. Even, even like Thor, Thor 2. <laughs> not even Thor 2. Like, I could probably watch again if I was doing a run of it. I would ignore it. Shite. Like. I know they are, man. Some of them are, like, you know, I don't like Iron Man too, but I would, no. if I did a run of it, I'd watch them again. But yeah, mm. like, even though it's not up there for me personally, I would gladly watch this again and enjoy it. So. Oh, excellent. Excellent. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to hear it. And I will, uh, I'd, I'd like to say I'll visit the cinema here, but I know I won't. I still haven't seen Black Widow yet, but that'll be out soon to watch, I'm sure. So, Gadget, take us home. Uh, so, a couple of things. Uh, still playing through Persona 5. I'm now dreaming in uh, light Japanese jazz. Um, every, uh, no, no, it's the um, it's 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 the night it's the nighttime theme. Oh Where yeah, have you been? <laughs> yeah, so I just, good. I, 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 it's, it's a beautiful song. It's lovely. It's so well performed. But every time, every time it's like I, I walk into my own bedroom, I could just hear that song in my head. Or just that, dun, 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 yeah. dun, that, that, just that little motif. If I actually, I'll put a clip in here so you can hear it. It's fucking brilliant. It's lovely. It's called, it's called Beneath the Mask. Yeah. Where have you been? Been searching all along. Confacing twilight and all. But yeah, I'm still enjoying Persona Five. I've just I finished the second palace, and I'm just now kind of pushing on with that. Tell me, uh, you've met I'm, the um, the strange doctor that sells you illegal medicine and kind of wants to fuck you. Oh yeah, she's creepy as fuck. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that for me is is the line that these Persona games. There's always one moment in a Persona game that line that's crossed, and that's that's crossed. You can pursue that relationship, by the way. Oh, Lord. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. She. Yeah. She's. She's creepy because like when when you go into any kind of like um, store menu like with the with like the weapon shop owner or whatever you get this kind of like pop art representation of the store owner and yeah you know you go through all the menu systems when it's with her it's a silhouette of her like wearing ultra high high heels with her legs perched up on a table yeah she's a goth doctor like, <laughs> yeah it's just like the, the, like Joker's like fifteen here. Yeah, he's yeah. a kid. Yeah. He's a kid. <laughs> Don't sit like that. Um, anyway, but, uh, but yeah, it's really stupid. But I'm still enjoying it, and um, uh, you'll still be playing it at Christmas. Oh yeah, I'm going to be playing this for years. <laughs> um, the, uh, there's not getting a look in Death Loops out in a week, and I'm not going to get a chance to play. Oh I'm still shit, playing this. <laughs> um, 
What else? Um, I caught I caught kind of in and out as Pip was watching um, a film yesterday called Centurion, which is dreadful. Oh. It's uh, Michael Fassbender as a, as Romans. There's Picts involved. There's lots of blood, but like unnecessary blood. It lo- it looks like. Do you remember when Game of Thrones first hit? Oh yeah, and um, and the entire world went. Oh yeah, we need some like historical fi- historical movies and historical TV. Yeah, show. like uh, yeah. Troy and it's stuff what- like that. Mm. Yeah, okay, it's one of those. Oh, that's true, I mean, Tro- yeah. Troy was before that, but it's like you know, like these you know, Vikings as a response to like um, Game gods of and kings. Like what was that Christian Bale one? Egypt. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, yeah. This was one of them. Uh, it was dreadful. I'd love like, to be I- Fassbender's <laughs> manager sometimes because Fassbender is an incredible actor. If I were Fassbender's manager, I'd go, "No, Michael, not this one. Not this time." It's <laughs> been in some no. awful films. Not this have time. The, have you seen the Snowman? Oh, it's shite. Yes. Oh, yeah, my yeah. God. That's so bad. I think that sits at the bottom of my list for that year, that. Oh, God. It's yeah. so bad. Honestly, it's just, Centurions on Netflix. It's, like, it's got like a it's like IMDb score of like six, six out of ten, but it's just, it's, it's no, it's bad. Um, yeah, and it's got it's got Olga Kurilenko in as a picked. I, I, oh. I, I don't know how you get a, get, a, a, get a Russian woman Russian. like that to, to, be a, to be a Scot. And all, all, all the Scots, all the picks. Oh, immaculately groomed with perfect teeth, and they've all got beautiful ginger beards. Yes, stylized in ginger beards mm, as well. So it's Olga. <laughs> Do you know what? But, actually, yeah. sorry to interrupt, gadget, but like that just reminded me. I watched Pirates of the Caribbean with my daughter last night, and all I could one of the things I noticed was their teeth and their fingernails and their skin. Gorgeous, aren't they? They're, they're awful. They're all dirty, no, no, like they're black all, teeth, all like fingernails. And I was just, and I just sat there and thought, it's a good detail. Oodles would love this detail because he's always moaning about how, like, how pr- pristine people in the old age were. Like, but, but saying that, Johnny Depp didn't have film. to put any makeup on. He's just got bad teeth and bad fingernails. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that's perfect. Yeah. Um, the main thing I wanted to... The main thing I want to talk about, um, and the reason why I have a Screen Rant article open that I need to read from, uh, is because uh, last night um, I showed Pip for the very first time Alien. Oh, Alien. And I haven't seen Alien for about six years. I mean, I've talked about it on here a lot. It is one of my favourite films of all time, but kind of felt like it was a bit time for a kind of a re-review because this is the first time I've watched the 2003 um, director's cut version of it. It's too long. No, it's not. It's a minute shorter than the theatrical cut. Oh, right. I'm, I'm, I might be thinking. Oh, really? I think Aliens is yeah. the longer one, isn't it? Aliens is the, is the longer oh, one, it's yeah. It's got that full full 15 minutes in that corridor with the machine guns. That's right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, so in 2003, uh, 20th Century Fox went to Ridley Scott and said, do you want to do another cut of Alien? And he's like, well, this is my thing. Ridley's like, I love I money. do cuts of films. Um, uh, but he, so he generally considers that the, the the original theatrical release is kind of the definitive version, but there were some things he wanted to change up and tighten up slightly. So what he ended up doing is rather than adding to the film, he cut out a few bits of unnecessary stuff and slotted in a couple of extra scenes. Oh. So the stuff that he cut out was just a lo- some of the establishing shots of the Nostromo in space, because that does go on far too long in it's the It's like five minutes, version. isn't it? Where it's just, uh, you don't see a human. Longer than that. Is it? Wow. Yeah, but there's yeah, there's a lot of these kind of long, slow panning shots of the Nostromo yeah. and, the, um, uh, and the rig that it's towing through space. And you get the point about halfway through that. You don't need it all. <laughs> it's big. Um, <laughs> but, so the two scenes that they add... Um, uh, after Kane um, gets face huggered, and they're bringing him, yeah, and they're bringing him back to the Nostromo. Um, everyone, well, everyone remember the scene where it's like 
in the airlock and Dallas has ordered to let him in and um, yeah, leave him in there. No, it's like, yeah, no, it's against quarantine. Well, he extends that scene, like Ripley like, really like hammering it home. No, you're not coming in here. It's illegal. Yeah. That kind of thing. Extends it by about a minute and a half before um, Ash just lets them in. Yeah. Um, Listen to the smart woman. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then the other one is, um, you know, when everyone's dead, Dave, and uh, Rip- huh. Ripley's trying to leave the ship, um, there is a scene that they add in where she discovers uh, there's, uh, the alien's nest, yes, where Dallas and Brett are being transformed into eggs. Whoa, I didn't even know that existed. Yeah. So it's considered not canon because obviously the films after this established that an individual xenomorph doesn't do that. Yeah. It's the queen that does that. But it's the first kind of hint of like what the, the nesting stuff would look like in aliens. Wow. Um and it and and it, and it gives you it gives you kind of like Dallas kind of half transformed into into an egg doing the kill me, kill me. Wow. And and Ripley with a flamethrower. So it's a nice callback when that happens in Resurrection. Yeah, he says. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, other than that, it's like things that. So, because I'm watching it on the Blu-ray edition, it's obviously it, it, it's nicely, it's up-resed, it's it's cleaned up, it looks nice. Um, the sound is fantastic. What I've never noticed before with watching Alien, or maybe I've not just not paid enough attention to it, um, is the disparity in sound in it. Like how well Ridley Scott and Jerry Goldsmith use silence in it. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a lot of scenes where there is not a sound, not a sound yeah. effect, nothing. It is just silence from the speakers. But then there is the sequence when when they've landed on LV-247 and um, the party are heading towards the ship um, and you get these scenes where it cuts to the to the to to them in the spacesuits and it's like this horrible wind sound. That's it's like it, really yeah. over-the-top wind oh, sound. Oh, yeah. And then it cuts back to Ash in the chair and it's silent. Oh. And I love I love that interplay between like ludicrous noise and silence because Ash is safe, he's comfortable, he's not there's not no danger to him. These people are outside. It's dangerous out there. You know, that's the know other reason on. why I love the thing, because it does something similar. Yeah, it yeah, tries it does. to show yeah. the isolation. On it, the do, ice it does it and, on um in the corridors on, on um Sunshine as well, where whenever they're outside, the voices yes. are echoed inside the um the spacesuits, but when it pans out. You can't hear anything because of the vacuum of space, and I always love that. And if someone's banging on a um, a spaceship from outside, you wouldn't hear it. It's no, so you f- wouldn't hear it at all. It's so fucking clever. I love it. Ooh, yeah. Um, but yeah, so like, the, the the sound is brilliant. Like, there's a thing with old sci-fi that I love when it's, when you can see that like spaceships are physically physical models that they've made. Yes, it's so good. It, it it's a little bit crap, but it's also much better than CGI like the original in a lot Star, of cases. Star Wars cuts. Yeah, yeah. Um, little explosions. Yeah, it's a bit like uh, the, mon- uh, the monitors, isn't it? Like I always kind of like yeah. the fact that because these films are maybe made in the seventies and eighties, they've got these like proper Commodore crappy CRT monitors. Yeah, Commodore <laughs> yeah. Mon- stuff. But I always love that aesthetic more than like a modern looking screen big or a vi- video screen well. or something. Yeah, it's like big, f- big fat keyboards. The computer clicking as it's like deciding things. Yeah. I mean, in the future, yeah. we've clearly run out of silicon, haven't we? So we've gone back to the old analog computers. <laughs> <laughs> I love, I, I love, I love the scene. Um, both the scenes that you get in the in the command center with Mother when you've got Dallas like getting his orders at the beginning. I love how Mother loves that 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 room. Yeah, yeah. It's it's when Rip, Ripley goes in, she's getting the explanation, and you just get. Crew expendable, and then you see Ash's head come in next oh, to her, and it's just like, oh that. shit! Like it, you, oh, you, he's so you know good at that, that point, he knows. Oh, Ian Holm is perfect. He's fucking it. brilliant. And if 
and, and in fact, like, I was so worried that Pip wouldn't like this film. She ended up loving it, so I'm oh, very happy. She's got taste. But when when um when you get Ash's last line that I don't was it I don't fancy your chances, but you have my sympathies. Oh, she just said, "Holy shit!" Yeah, it's like because <laughs> that is a line. <laughs> I've actually, I've actually, you know how obsessed I am with uh, algorithm T-shirts. I've seen a T-shirt with that on. <laughs> and I thought I would have that I yeah, used to have I, a Nostromo I, I, I thought I, I should buy that but then I'm going to get people saying what the fuck's that from yeah you're a filmer mm, I'm not a filmer <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah I mean I can I can talk a Alien all, all, all day it's just it's a wonderfully tense film I love the fact that you don't actually see anything to do with the alien itself really for the first hour mm, that's like, what it's, I like it, it, as well it builds up the tension so nicely and then it's that last hour is just clattering insanity um, I love the, um, the the class warfare kind of thing between the the, the engineers and the captain, yeah. and then um, yeah, we're bureaucrats with, 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 with the company, yes. which is obviously Wayland Utani. So good. I love the physical design. I love the music. I love the sound. I love the design of the alien. I love I love the scene where Brett gets taken mm. um, oh, when, yeah. he, when he's when he's uh, look, uh, looking for Jonesy. Oh yeah, come here, kitty. And he's, we um. Because we're watching it on Blu-ray, I could, I could do this because obviously every time that I've seen it, I've noticed that the xenomorph is hanging in the chains. Yes. And, uh, and Pip didn't catch it. I said, did you see it? It's no. tail. I kind of scru- scru- well, not you see the whole thing. It's curled up in the chain. Oh, is it? Um, and it's just, it's just hanging there before he comes down and gets him. Oh. Uh, and scroll it back and show us. It's like, like, you don't actually technically see the alien until the very end in the space shuttle, uh, in the shuttle. But you actually do see the whole thing there, yeah. and it's it's a it's a great misdirect because it just looks like the chains. That's my yeah. favorite so um, version of Xenomorph. That one, I know it's it's quite bare bones when it's stood up and stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. You can tell it's a man in a suit, a really slender yeah. man in a suit. Yeah, but yeah. it's the mo- it's it's the most human Xenomorph. Yeah, I, I really it's I really like pure it, human. especially compared to Alien 3's dog Xenomorph thing. <laughs> <laughs> Even like what you're saying about um, not seeing it in the chains. Even in the shuttle at the end until it moves you don't see it like the yeah, first time yeah. you watch it and even like after I because I've gone years it's a, it's without, a really, without watching it's, it's a really good scare that yeah, and it, and it's it came not out, a jump like, scare yeah that's there yeah. <laughs> it, it's not really a jump scare it is a proper scare because it, yeah, it just looks like the tubing it, look, it mm. looks like the, the all the conduits there it's so good the best thing about it is is the fact that when you think that how old this is and the thing as well and it holds up better than things that were made 10 years oh, yeah. ago Absolutely, it holds up Fuck. so well. Like just the haircuts in it that lets it down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the the, the 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 only thing that Pip took exception to, and I, I guess I, I understand it as well. I, but it's when um, it, it is that last sequence in the shuttlecraft where Ripley basically strips off. Yeah, could it? Is that is that it, a scene it, it, for titillating? I don't know. It's. I think it's. I and I agree with that point. Like it, it does navel, show her. It does show her vulnerability, but. They could also have given her like less sexy pants. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah, it doesn't <laughs> yeah. really need to linger that much. There's a lot of navel gazing on that yeah. bit. Yeah, a, 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 a little bit, and it's kind of yeah, she is very vulnerable there, and it's to show her in a moment of vulnerability. But you wouldn't be wearing knickers like that on a spaceship, would you? No, no, I don't think you would. <laughs> but uh, yeah, watch Alien. It's fucking incredible. If you haven't seen it, I might have spoiled loads of you. I don't fucking. And care. it is terrifying. <laughs> It's, it's fucking nearly scary. a fifty-year-old film. Yeah. What's that trailer amazing. that was released in the seventies for Alien? With the, yeah. Oh, yeah, that soundtrack is just so intense for a trailer. Yeah, it's what a so film! Good. What a fucking classic! Just, just before yeah. we before we move on, gadget. Yeah, can you say Nostromo again? <laughs> Nostromo. 
Der Stromo. Yeah. Oof. Oof. Ooh, that's good. Oof. Oof. Got me there. Ooh. Now you need to watch bloody seven, mate. <laughs> I want you to watch that. I just want to see. You've never seen seven. Seen Never seen Seven. What? I know. I know. There's a lot you have to ignore in Seven, due to a certain person in it. But other than that, yeah, it's not. It's not in it much. I'm not going to go into it. It's a film. It's just. It's move on from that. It's such a fucking good film, Seven. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, let's move on to the main topic at hand. Biggie, would you like to tell us what we're doing this week? I'm not even sure we know what we're doing. (laughs) So. This week, we talk about MacGuffins. It's an object, device, or event that is necessary to the plot and the motivation of the characters. It even worked as an idea for this very pod episode, but boy, do we have some discussion around this. <laughs> so here it is. <laughs> yeah, um, we did, didn't we? We, uh, we? we weren't sure what MacGuffin was or why or how or no, when. No, I, I, I don't think we, we just didn't agree on what it was. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, but we we have we have agreed. <laughs> now we, we we've put it to rest. Um, sort of. But yeah, it, it's m- most more, more commonly it's an object in a film that is lustful or it's basically it's not usually a character. It's it's usually an object. Let, let's let's uh, let the Ark of the Covenant in uh, Indiana Jones. It's that's the MacGuffin. That's what they're after. Um, but it is also a concept, an idea, an ideology, and other things like that. So. Bear with us, and we're going to go around, <laughs> and we're going to try and see. We've got a good one each and a bad one each, and it's it's, it's all subjective. So it might be our favourite MacGuffin of all time, and we're not talking about McMuffins. Just let me just <laughs> reiterate. Oh, hang on, I need to change my list. <laughs> so yeah, we're going to we're going to go for this. So don't at us thinking that's my favourite part of that film. It's all subjective. So we're going to start with Biggie. Okay, okay. So um, I've been—I've only just managed to download this today, and I haven't had a chance to watch it again. So I'm purely going from memory. So bear with me on this. But I picked Mel Gibson's Payback. Nice. Uh, this was directed by Brian Helgland. Um, had a really cool cast. Um, obviously, Mel Gibson. Um, I know he's had his problems, but in his day, he was pretty much up there as one of the. That's underselling it slightly. We're not going to go into it here, so I just want to talk about him in movies. It, this is sort of at his sort of just coming off his peak of mm. being sort of the go-to. Is actor. this after Brave Out or before? I can't remember. I can't remember. After I think it was '99 yeah, when this came out. This is like oh, this yeah, is well where after. he started, he started to go like yeah, go down. Yeah. like his stock was definitely on the down. He was trend, drinking like, more than I was yeah. drinking, so he's he's fucking going down. <laughs> But um, yeah, Mel Gibson obviously clearly in this. You had uh, Greg Henry who played Val Resnick. Um, you also had Maria Bello as Rosie. Lucy Liu was in this as Pearl. Um, Deborah Kara Unger appeared as Lynn Porter. And then you had some um, various characters appearing throughout the movies. Bill Duke from uh, the Predator fame, to mention just a few of the movies he's been in as one of the detectives. You had um, William Devaney in as Carter, James Coburn yeah. as Fairfax, Chris Christopherson as Bronson. Big KK. I mean, some real heavy hitters appearing throughout this movie. But um, McGuffin in this was basically... Just before you continue, based- sorry, is this the one you like or you only dislike? The one I like. Excellent. So we'll do, we'll do that like first. We'll go for the ones we like first. Okay, cool. So this is based on the novel The Hunter by Richard Stark, um, and it was actually made as a movie in 67. Uh, called Point Blank with Lee Marvin. 
But um, Mel Gibson's character Porter is basically on a quest to get back $70,000 that was owed to him from a heist that he, his wife, Lynn, and his partner, Val Resnick, were all involved in. They betrayed him, shot him, left him for dead, and taking the whole amount of 140000 as the haul. Massive amount so of waits, money. <laughs> when, he comes, yeah, when he comes round from what's happened to him, he decides to plot his revenge and get his money back. And he, that's basically all he wants to do throughout the whole movie. He doesn't care about really who betrayed him, who was involved. He basically just wants his money, what is owed to him. He would walk away from everyone. And it basically has to set up some sort of petty theft to get a little bit of money to start off his revenge. Once he's got that, he ends up meeting um, his wife. Um, he goes through betrayal, police corruption, bit of sadomasochism thrown in there, torture, all just to get this money back. The poor guy um, ends up finding his wife to find out what happened, why she betrayed him. She ended up becoming a junkie. Um, built from the guilt of betraying him, and this is probably fueled by the partner Resnick as well. He gets beaten up for hours. He has his toes broken after uh, during the movie. He has to reveal the location of the crime boss's son, who he kidnaps as leverage, trying to get his money back. He ends up coming across different crime bosses, all interlinked with the detectives that are trying to get money off him as well. It is just. A great story. It's Mel Gibson, kind of that character of um, a bit like um, Liam Neeson's character in Taken, where he just won't stop. He just will do everything he can to get what he needs. And he goes through this whole movie, taking everybody out, chaos and destruction everywhere, just to get his money back. Even the goons get confused about exactly how much money he wants. He keeps saying he only wants his 70000 They think he wants all the money. And he's just like, no, I just want my money. Um, and by the end of the movie, it, there's two, apparently there's two cuts to this movie. And I remember the one where he drives away with a smile on his face, but you don't actually know if he survives. Yeah, that's the one I've seen. Getting the money he wants. There's apparently another cut out there where the money ends up with a homeless man in passing. Oh, I like that. And the homeless man gets the money. So at the end of the day, he gets the money back, but he never actually gets to do anything with it by the sounds of it. But um, I just really like the movie. It's a real sort of crime noir. There's a bit of that sort of humour that um, Mel Gibson can deliver, um, but it's really violent. It, it, it's full Sounds of... Um, they were going, they it, were going it, to remake it a few years back with uh, Colin uh, Farrell. But, oh, really? Yeah, but that's gone nowhere. It wouldn't work with him. No, 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 no. I don't see that working with him. It's, it's one of those roles that you need a certain character to pull off because you need to like him because technically he's an unlikable character. Yeah, but um, yeah, it, it's. I think Mel Gibson's portrayal in this was brilliant. He was supported by a great cast, and literally all he ever wanted was just that seventy thousand dollars. And if um, he got that money, then nothing would have happened to everybody else in the movie. The the crimes would have, crime bosses would have carried on. Uh, people wouldn't have died. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just one of those things. If they just listened to what he wanted and just given him that <laughs> amount of money that was rightfully his. That happens in a lot of films, though. I know, but it, it's just the, the the concept of this is basically that that's his complete drive is give the guy the money, he'll go away. He's made it very clear he wants nothing else to do with anyone else. That's what he wants. Give it to him. It's give me back my daughter. <laughs> but yeah, it, yeah. again, very <laughs> not too dissimilar to that mm-hmm. movie as well. But um. 
Yeah, I'm a big fan of Bill Gibson's early movies, and I love this film. I liked I him in Conspiracy Theory. Remember that one? Yes. That's very good. I thought he was good in that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, it was a great movie, and I thought the MacGuffin was um interesting one because it would have solved a lot of problems. If it was yeah, it <laughs> <laughs> A lot of people wouldn't have died. Excellent, thank you for that, Biggie. We're going to move on to me and and a MacGuffin I do like. Um, it's from a computer game. Ooh. Uh, <laughs> it's a person, actually, even though MacGuffins don't tend to be people or concepts like that, but this one is. It's Ellie from The Last of Us. Now, spoiler alert. I was alert. going to pick that. <laughs> <laughs> spoiler alert. Spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. Don't alert. talk about Last of Us Part 2. No, nope, I'm not going to talk about that. Last of Us Part 2 at all. I'm going to talk about the Last of Us, a game that released on the PlayStation 3 900 years ago <laughs> and is available on the PlayStation 3 and PlayStation 4. And that's it, I think. You might um, have to put some timestamps for these gadget, I think, in the, in the show mm, notes. I'm not going to go too much into spoiler territory, but I believe most people that listen to this show may have played this game. Now, the Last of Us. If you don't know what it is, it's a post-apocalyptic video game, uh, third-person um, adventure game, action adventure slash shooter, shooter slash looter, <laughs> in a way. Um, it's a very, very well-loved game, and what I like mainly about it is the interactions between the two main characters, Joel and Ellie. Agreed. It's one of my favourite um, duos in gaming ever i think it's incredible um as a as a father uh, i understand joel's attitude towards ellie i'm not going to explain why his attitude is like that against ellie but he had a tumultuous past um <laughs> and yeah um it's one of those it's a normal it's a normal trope um in post apocalyptic films books games now this is the spoiler ellie's immune to the virus that's taken over the world, the Cordyceps mushroomy virus thing. I don't even know if it's got a name, has it, the virus? I don't think just it's called the Cordyceps. Yeah, just the Cordyceps. So it's, it's, it's a fungal virus that affects people's brains and turns them into mushroom zombies. And it's a lot scarier than what I've described. <laughs> <laughs> just a bit. They are horrendous. Chestnut mushrooms just wumbling yeah. around. Like, this is not Super people. Mario, baby. This, these are horrendous, horrendous. <laughs> they, they, they run at you. They click. They are oh, just the clickers are horrendous. awful, awful, yeah. grotesque. And, and when it came out... Oh, the bloaters are the worst. Oh, the, yeah, the bloaters. When it came out, it was one of the tensest, most scariest games I'd played at that point. It's just, it's just it's riddled with atmosphere and oozes it, but the MacGuffin is that, like I said, Ellie is immune to this virus. Now, early on in the game, you find out that uh, Ellie is immune to the virus. I believe it was on some of the trailers when the game first came out. It's one of those spoilers that they really should have kept in the game. Um, and the the mission at, at hand is Joel as a uh, smuggler in this. Post apocalypse. It's like post post apocalypse as well. <laughs> so it's after oh, yeah. the apocalypse. Um, Thirty years after the apocalypse. Yeah. yeah like so that. things are uh, relatively normal in certain zones. Uh, normal to a point. Like uh, there's no McDonald's anymore. <laughs> that kind of. Thing. But yeah. <laughs> An authority, uh, authoritarian governments <laughs> clamping down on people and. Yeah. Yeah. If your temperature's too high, it's quite scary. And we understand. <laughs> we understand what it's like. We've lived through it. 
Um, but yeah, and he's got to get Ellie, this um, golden child, this MacGuffin, across. I believe it's from Boston to to Utah, Salt Lake City, mm-hmm. which is a long. It's way. a long fucking way. That's thousands of miles. That's that's east coast to fucking wherever Utah is. Midwest. Mid- yeah. yeah. What they do from the first game, they just traveling on foot and occasionally a horse. Is so, that right? No, sometimes and, and, car. and a car. There's cars. Yeah. Um, there is fuel. Yeah, a few hundred miles in a car. Yeah. Um, and now it takes them a year in total. I believe it's it's four seasons. It takes them. To. Yeah, it's split seasons. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I'm not going to tell you if they get there or anything like that. But what I find fascinating is it's a MacGuffin that does affect everything, and it's a MacGuffin that you care about because it's an actual person and. This MacGuffin knows that they are a MacGuffin, <laughs> which also <laughs> lets the plot do some, cra- some crazy, crazy things. Like Joel, b- by midpoint in the game, he understands that he he is not important in this at all. He is just the avatar to get this MacGuffin from one place to another, and he will he will jump headfirst into another human that's trying to attack or a. a a clicker or one of these zombie things, he will he will put his life on the line for this little girl. Uh, I believe she's like thirteen or something like that. She's really young. Yeah, mm. yeah, thirteen in the in the first game. Yeah, um, it's just but she has no experience of what the world oh, was like before. No. She was born so, into this world. Yeah, um, yeah, it's a complete learning experience. For yeah, her, isn't it's it? really it's really clever as well how they explain so like her hiding skills. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there is that. Yeah. There is that. She never played hide and seek. It's just it's the fact that she's got a, vis- a visible bite mark on her arm. Like, we all know what happens when you get bit by a zombie or a mushroom. Uh, in real life, uh, you become a zombie or a mushroom. And this it's it scarred her arm. And when, when people in that world see it, they automatically assume that she's about to change. And then they learn about her as well. And it's, I just think it's, it's a really clever plot device. Because it could have been anything. It could have been, if you were Naughty Dog creating this game, it could have been, you need to take this vial. You know what I mean? This cure vial to Salt Lake City rather than a human. And, and it, w- it would have had nowhere near as much impact. It's similar to um, Children of Men, isn't it? That kind of, mm, that kind yeah. of vibe. Mm. Where the, and the road. Yeah, yeah, the road. Yeah, the MacGuffin is, 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 is living, a living being that you have to protect with everything that you've got. And I think the game pulls that off. Like, I don't think, as a game, the mechanics are that good in this. I, I think it's a bit... Of its time, like you can. Oh, it's just a, it's just PS3 Uncharted, really. Yeah. Isn't it? It's just mm. it, it, it's it's taking what they built with Uncharted technically, yeah. and mechanically, and making it good. The whole world is like littered <laughs> with waist high walls and and boxes and stuff, <laughs> so you can yeah, hide behind c- them. C- convenient stealth alleys. Yeah, and, uh... <laughs> it, it, but it's the moments away from the shooting that really like hit hard. Like the interactions between Joel and Ellie. It's so poignant. Like one of my favorite scenes in the original. It's quite early on as well. I think it's in the first season where they go to a, a record shop and Ellie doesn't know what these are. She's like, "Oh yeah." And yeah. Joel's explaining to her about guitars and music and stuff. And you don't have to see any of this because it's an optional scene. You could just completely skip it. And yeah. there's some beautiful. It's, it's, she's like, "Why? Why would people like buy these and listen to and, and listen to one at a time and stuff like that?" And he's explaining to us like, "We had all the time in the world then." Do you know what I mean? It's like, whoa, fuck. Kids, kids these days are probably the same, though, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. She's like trying to learn how to whistle, and I like the way oh, that God, throughout yeah. she can't whistle, and then she slowly picks up 
the yeah. concept. It's, it's, really the, it's, the, um, it's the joke book for me where she picks up a joke book quite early on and yeah. you just, just oh, yeah. periodi- periodically in quiet moments she'll tell you a really bad joke. Yeah, yeah. And there's that, there's that, there's that scene where she finds a uh, gay porn magazine and she's reading it in the yeah. car and is like, people like this shit. <laughs> people like How <laughs> does he walk around with that in his yeah. pants? Yeah. <laughs> I, remember, I remember the first time I played the game, like, because um, the, the, the sequence that you go through prior to that cutscene is kind of harrowing. It's one of the best sequences um, in the game. Oh, yeah. It's like one of the best. That whole area, like Billstown, is fantastic. Yeah. Um, but when you come out of that sequence, just go through that. It's just like this wonderful little moment of comedy. Yeah. Like where like Ashley Johnson, the voice actress, she just pitches that so perfectly. <laughs> yeah. And um, uh, Troy Baker, who's playing um, Joel. Uh, Joel. He, he he gets that flustered dad effect yeah. of like he doesn't know what to say. <laughs> For me, that's the, that, that's the moment in that in that game as well where he's like, oh, I am looking after her. I am a surrogate father now." Mm. It's the first, it's the first hint, and then it cuts, doesn't it, to another season? So they've been together for weeks and weeks and weeks. It's just, yeah. it's so clever with those cuts as well. How like they've clearly bonded in this time we don't see, and it, oh, it's, yeah. it's, it's just so good. It's, and, I mean. Excuse me, spoiler again. Uh, there is a moment in the game where you take control of the MacGuffin, and I believe because it, she's been so oh, hyped that's a, oh, ooh, yeah, that's, that's a moment, isn't it? It's been so it's hyped up. It's a moment. It's been so hyped up that she is the last bastion of this this world. This that she is she is the fucking cup of Christ. She is it. We need this. We need this person, the cure, and then you control her, and it's. It's not the fact that you think, oh, I'm a little girl. You know she's capable. It's the fact that you are now it. You are the one. Do you know what I mean? And mm. I think it's so effective. Everything you do, you, st- you, s- you slow down your pace because wh- when you were Joel up to this point, you had so many guns. You had to switch guns in your backpack. And stuff. You had like two different types of shotguns, four different types <laughs> of handguns. You had, do you know what I mean? you had sniper rifles. And, and then you're this little MacGuffin girl with a bow and arrow against a, a, an army of men and it's i think it, it's so impactful and people forget i don't you never hear people talking about that that moment finally getting control of mm. do you know what i mean the the thing that is the linchpin I, of, no, the whole, I think, I think, of the whole tale I, th- I think people talk about that sequence a lot because it is it's one of the i'm not going to spoil it because even though it's a nine-year-old game yeah or mm. you need to experience game, whatever it. you need to experience it because it is possibly one of the most fucked up and tensest oh, yeah. sequences in the whole game. And it's like, it's not pleasant to encounter, but you get the payoff at the end of it and it's so worth yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I just want to mention the very last scene in that game without revealing what happens. Yeah, mm. yeah. But the look. Yeah. The look, yeah. Yeah. It's so good. The way that is delivered, I was just like, yes, that's how you end the game. Yeah, and it pays off. It pays off in future iterations it's 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 just really it's really clever and it, it's like it is kind of spot but it's like she no longer becomes a MacGuffin, and that's what's it's so fucking it's it's really clever it's clever and i am looking forward to this show that they're doing about it because i hope the imperativeness is on ellie still because mm. she she is the main character in this game even though you play play as her for an hour tops you know what I mean? She's yeah, yeah. I think it's it's such a clever. I mean, I'm being a hypocrite by saying that I'm only now playing the sequel now, but I think if anyone hasn't played The Last of Us yet, yeah, 
what's wrong with you because that game is just <laughs> it's right it's right up there yeah yeah it's an the absolute original. classic as a game you know, it's not perfect any faults that might be in the gameplay combat mechanics yeah it's not perfect as a game but as a, as no, a narrative device as an experience mm. it is probably one of the best video games ever yeah. to try and capture how a book or yeah. a film that you love works in that format. I agree, mate. I think it, it's it stellar. It's so well. And, and, and Ellie is, she's especially in the first game, for me, one of the best video game characters we've ever seen. Mm. Just just from the sheer, the fact that she, she, she knows what she is and how she's got to react to that. It's like being, being told you're the most important thing ever. How the fuck do you deal with that? It's, yeah. And Ashley, is it Ashley Robertson, did you say? Johnson, Ashley Johnson. Ashley Johnson, yeah, and her performance wouldn't be half as good without Troy Baker, so the two of them bounce off each other. It's a great double yeah. act. So well in that. It's a great double so act. So good. But yeah, it, uh, honestly, as a, as a MacGuffin, as, as a plot device, as a contrivance, anything like that, I think Ellie's up there, especially in gaming. There's not, it's, it, it, there's not many more. Like, like think, think back to Mario, there's a princess in a castle. She's not in this castle, she's in the next castle. That's a shit MacGuffin. <laughs> But that's all they had. <laughs> that's all they had. But this, I just think it's, it's so fucking clever and brilliant. So, yeah. It's a good choice, mate. Very good mm, choice. Thank you. So, I believe we're on to Stig. At the dawn of the universe, there was nothing. Then boom. The Big Bang sent six elemental crystals hurtling across the virgin universe. These infinity stones each controlled an essential aspect of existence. Space, reality, power, soul, mind, and time. Oh. I am, of course, referring to the Infinity Stones. Oh, yes. So, um, this is going to get spoilery. <laughs> it really is. Hang on, <laughs> I'll, get the, Kurt. I'll get the I'll, see, I'll get the klaxon head for Kurt. Yeah, so Kurt never watches from the Never Watchers. You might need to uh, skip a. Never listen to this. Unfortunately, <laughs> mm. you could come back in several years when you've caught up. <laughs> <laughs> to skip all the MCU spoilers, skip ahead to 87 minutes and 20 seconds. But yeah, um, I just think as a, a MacGuffin that was never really intended to be the mm. main MacGuffin in this series, it's just fucking brilliant. And for um it, it basically started because Joss Whedon um he uh he put Thanos at the end of the Avengers. Yeah. That is that is basically where it started out. It it, it was never intended that this was where they were gonna go. He just put that in in the post credit as a little sting of where he, he wanted it to go and they and Kevin Feige and Marvel and Disney and everyone just ran with it and it fucking paid off. Wow, did it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we've got, in, in this series, we have six stones. As I said, the space, reality, power, soul, mind, and time. And across various films from the Avengers in 2012 up to Infinity War, they appear in various films. Well, they, they appeared appear before in... then, remember? Well, technically, not but stones. like... Not as stones. Mm. They were within the... They were in other items, yeah, yeah. but we didn't know about them but as th- stones. That seems like a retroactive change, though, doesn't it, really, when you think about mm. it? Like, yes. Was the Tesseract ever supposed to be a stone? Who knows? <laughs> it was just supposed to be a MacGuffin of power. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
So I believe the first instinct of us knowing about a stone was as as a Infinity Stone was Guardians of the Galaxy with the Power Stone. I think so. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and then Thor two with Thor the two, Ether, yeah. which is the Reality Stone. Yeah, and then we learn in Age of Ultron about the Mind Stone. And it, it just, it's all these... Drip-fed into you, isn't it? It's drip-fed mm. into you by, by these, these various films, and it, it kind of makes everything essential. It doesn't make the films as in, oh, you just, just watch this one, watch that one, watch that one, and oh, now they're teaming up. <laughs> like, there is a bit of that in there, but like it all eventually, from the Avengers onwards, these films kind of led to somewhere when they started introducing the stones. You could see its trajectory straight away, couldn't you? Yeah, you could see where it was going. Um, They then started to introduce Thanos more as a overarching bad guy. Fine, I'll do it myself. Yeah, you start to to understand what he's after and they start to touch on that in, obviously, in Guardians with Gamora. She's trying to... Yeah. she's, She's trying to get the power stone, but she's trying to do it to keep it away from Thanos. Later on, we obviously find out she knew about the Soul Stone as well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and yeah, they just, for me, in the last 10 years, been the absolute ultimate MacGuffin. They the, have. The, like, they have just been above everything else in, in all media. Yeah. Like, they have dominated everything. The MCU has pretty much dominated, and, and the Infinity Saga leading up to Thanos collecting the stones and that moment in Infinity War is that's, that's, 10 years of build and it's been absolutely Oodles. brilliant. Yeah. Have you read the Infinity War or the Infinity Gauntlet? Does a bear shit in the woods? So, does the stone for vision, was it always that stone that's always been part of his um, no. makeup? In, no. So that was done purely for the film. Yeah, so but now it's that. done in the I've comics. Because uh, to, be, to be fair, the films have bolstered the comics a lot. And the comics have bolstered the film, so yeah, uh, it didn't used to be no, no, it was just a yeah. costume choice. <laughs> that's why. That's why I thought it was. That's what it threw me when it was became so important in the movie. I was like, is that but, in the but, comic. But look at how that's gone on, yeah. and developed its own it's got thing. Better in my opinion, and how that's mm. eventually led on to Wonder Vision, yeah, and how that yeah, worked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I how, think how, I think the MCU done it better it than the comics. Yeah, but like the, the power that sorry, the Mind Stone became yeah Vision. And she saw Thanos. She she had to kill him. Yeah, the person she the the, the person she loved. Mm. But Thanos basically just reversed time, killed him again in front of her, and that sent her to this grief, this spiral of grief. Which then yeah. we got Wonder Vision out of, and I fucking loved Wonder Vision. Oh god, yeah. Oh, like you've got to remember back in the comics like when the infinity saga started in the comics and stuff so i haven't the, read that, the so. reason the reason he's collecting the stones is because he fancies the living deity death Thanos wants to marry her <laughs> so the best okay. way to get death on your side and to fancy you is to kill loads of people and that, but that's why the mcu is just going to be making more work for death yeah making more work for death but death loves it death loves work I suppose you've got to love your job. Too. Yes, uh, the, yeah. the whole thing was courting death, and in the in the books, the, in, in, in the books, the reality stones the most powerful of them all. But in in the, in the films, they've done it clever. Like they're all balanced equally. They've all got the pros and cons. It's mm. so fucking clever how the films have. Yeah, done. Yeah, and, and I think there's that line in the, in the Avengers where he said to challenge them is to court death, and he gives that little smile. Yeah, and it's like there's a little wink there, to, and there was a lot of speculation at the times that oh they're going to bring the death character in and yeah. everything like that. Kind of glad they didn't go that way because I think that like it would have been 
Ooh, well, Thanos, but, is, collect- Thanos substitu- is basically collecting these things and killing all these people just to impress some someone. Yeah, which is it's pretty it cookie, isn't rubbish. it? Yeah. Cook old. Yeah. That, 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 the kind of replaced <laughs> yeah. the character of Death with Hela. They kind of retroactively merged her into the goddess of death, which I liked. Yeah. I liked, but no link at all. See, speaking Thanos. of Hela as well, like we we had that original scene, remember in Thor One where we saw you see the Infinity Gauntlet yeah. in, and I was in like, Od- ah! Odin's chamber and everyone was freaking out about the Infinity Gauntlets in the MCU, they're gonna do something with it. Yeah. Then Thanos has his own. Yeah. And, and and she just basically walks past it in Thor Ragnarok and goes fake, fake, fake. knocks it off the yeah <laughs> and that's how they, that's how they got round that being in there that's how they got round that like plot hole doesn't she, she say impressive goes, with the tesseract something like that yeah she she looks at the tesseract impressive. she's like impressive cause she, yeah because she knows there's something about that yeah but yeah for me it's just like I've been an, uh, a massive fan of the MCU and just watching the these various films. And these various stones come into play and be integral to the, oh, the God, plot yes. and where it all led, led up to, and leading up to the snap. It's just like that moment. It's just it's so good. Like powerful. It, it, Infinity was still my favorite MCU film. It's up there for me as well. I think it's my second me. favorite. And like, and then there's the whole fun of collecting them in Endgame, which I, I enjoyed a lot. Um, Do you know what I really liked heist. about how the MCU did? Like, I'm with you on that. Actually, I enjoyed yeah, I Infinity did. War more. In, in, the, in the MCU, they've each of the stones got its own personality, and uh, you can see the look of it. Like the Eye of Agamotto, you can see the Time Stone. It's got its own personality, uh, and same with the Ether and stuff like that. It's really clever. In the books, it's like it's just a magic zap, zap. <laughs> I mean, I love the way that they incorporate them as well. Like, yeah. So even Thanos, like he, uh, when he's getting beat up by Captain Marvel, it's like shit. Like I'm losing here. Yeah. So he grabs what he grabs the power stone out of the glove into his hand and yeah. punches her with it. It gives him extra power. That's all he can punch. do at that point. It's a desperate. Uh, and, and he turns all the bullets into bubbles and shit like that. Like he plays like Thanos plays around with all the stones so much. Yes, yeah. I mean, wouldn't, wouldn't you if you had all that power? I mean, they don't. They don't oh, yeah. even. They I don't... might not kill like billions, no, and tri- no, no. trillions of people. I'd probably like you know give them more resources. For I like example. how they, I like how <laughs> but... they've done it in the MCU as well. Like in the, I know I keep referring to the books, and I am a massive fucking. No, it's nerd. fine. Like it, that's where this source comes from. Yeah, isn't like it? the, in in the book, he could wield them because he was part um, eternal and part deviant. But in the MCU, he's just a strong-willed, strong individual. Uh, he's just an alien and. It's clever how they've just gone, right, let, let's, all, all that shit, because Thanos started off as the worst villain in, it, in Marvel, in a little <laughs> helicopter. <laughs> you know what I mean? He was crap. Big purple lad. Yeah, and he, he, they basically copied Darkseid from DC. We want a big, ugly, purple Martian-looking thing. And they got him, but uh, in, in the MCU, they, they, they gave him such a, a subtlety to him, and almost, and I don't know if it's just me, Sometimes I get his reasoning. <laughs> Sometimes the, 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 it, it is worrying how reasonable he can be. Yeah, he's, he, he doesn't consider himself to be evil at all. And these make, that's what makes him a good baddie, though. And it, yes. it's a, going back to, to the, what we were talking about a few weeks ago when we did best baddies. Yeah. Like the best baddies think they're doing the good, right thing. Yeah, the best baddies are goodies in their own story. I believe if this MacGuffin didn't exist in this universe, if it was real, Thanos had. Think of another way to do his plan. Do you know what I mean? I think yeah. he's, he's a resourceful well, He was doing guy. it differently to start, wasn't exactly. he? He was just going to random world and <laughs> shooting them down. half the people. Yeah, yeah, like <laughs> straight, putting Slowly. them in half and like killing that half and leaving that yeah. half. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, even um, what, what's funny is I did find this interview with um, 
McFeely and uh, sorry, Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely, basically where they said like, had we started from scratch, we wouldn't have chosen six Dan McGuffins. Yeah, <laughs> that's not helpful. It, it was difficult to get them all in, and like I agree because like in in Infinity War, like they literally just go. Oh, he gained the stone when he decimated Xander. They literally have to just yeah, because they haven't write, got time. They, they haven't got time, so they literally have to write his siege of Xandar off in just a line, which would have been a massive moment in his life. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and like Infinity War is Thanos's film, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. Oh yeah, he's the main character. The, the the one thing I didn't like with the way they did it in Endgame was the um and and this is going back to the original concept, the plot contrivance, mm-hmm. is that four of the stones were in New York at the same time so that they could all time travel to exactly clever. the same point. I think that's clever. I, I found that, I just thought, oh, fucking come on. It's America. That was, America. That was in America. The thing is, that was never originally planned. No. When, I know it wasn't planned. When that, but it's... when that spear and that tesseract was there... And and the and all, and the other and the, uh, I think the ether's there at one point or yeah, something. Yeah, the time is it? stone. Or, yeah, and the time stone. <laughs> like when they originally when they came to write Endgame, they probably sat there and went, "How like, do we do this? <laughs> all these are actually there, but I don't think they ever planned for them to be there." That's why I, 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 I think the McGuffin. It's, yeah. it's just when they go when they're going through the explanation of how they how they're going on, they're working it out, and it's just like that's all far far too convenient for me. It's clever. <laughs> it's, it's it's when a McGuffin transcends what it actually is, in my opinion. <laughs> it's it, it's almost sentient. <laughs> the thing with this as well is they meant something as well. So when you come to the Soul Stone. Two major characters are killed off to get that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. One is kind of revived through alternate timelines, but at the time, you, you didn't know that. It was literally like, huge, wasn't it? Like Gamora, like, that's she's dead. Black Widow, mm. she's dead. Like they Vision were killed. Sacrifice they, as well. Yeah, they were killed off, and it was like these can't come back. They're they're deaths. They're not like they're dead. Dead. They're not part of the snap. <laughs> they're dead. dead. And the uh, Eye of Amagato actually, because she has to re- relinquish that, knowing it'll be her end as well. Yes. But. She she understands why it needs to be taken in the end. At first, she's like, "No, you're not having this." Yeah, exactly. With the Hulk, yeah, the ancient one knew what was going to happen, and uh, it's so fucking clever. It's, uh, as MacGuffins go, they're going to take some topping in 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 future, especially for the MCU. Mm. It's like the only the only course of action I can see for me is the MacGuffins, and it's not going to be. It's just going to be infighting and maybe the looming presence of galactus or something like that there's, you can't there's nothing as as like pure as the infinity stones mm. you need to watch loki as well gadget because i can't carry watch loki I, uh, I haven't yet you have watched, you've watched watch loki that. now he's not fuck watched. you you've watched loki i thought you had only yes. watched wandavision oh no, sorry he's told it to see us. i've watched wandavision i haven't oh, seen loki right, so yet. Biggie, you need You've to You've done watch. it again. No, 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 no. I just forgot. I thought I forgot you'd watch Loki. <laughs> Biggie needs to, you need to watch Loki because we can't carry on huge. this conversation yeah, until you, uh, yeah, no, until you cool. do. There's <laughs> huge moments. But yeah, I think, I think you're right. As, as MacGuffins go, even though they're retroactive MacGuffins and not the intended, probably not the intended write-up of what was going to happen, I think it's so fucking clever and so precise. It's mm. it's almost it's almost as if they are characters in themselves. Like I said, it's really fucking smart. So do I need to watch the Falcon as well? Because I haven't seen if that yet with the Winter Soldier. <laughs> or should I just go to Loki first? You could do it in any order. They, they do not yeah, intersect make... at all. I, I just, oh, cool. just watch Loki. Perfect. Yeah, I'll go for Loki next. Then. Mm. Any more on the on the Infinity Stones? No. 
I think I think you're right. I think they're spot on. Great MacGuffins. Um, Gadget, MacGuff me up. Well, from <laughs> for, from one set of stones to another set of stones, because I want to talk about the fifth element. <gasps> Colonellas! <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. Not the quote I expected you to take on, but fair enough. <laughs> the favourite. Uh, fifth element, we've talked about it before. It's one of my favourite films of all time. Classic mid-90s uh, French sci-fi. Absolutely Directed by Luc Besson, starring Bruce Willis, uh, Miljovic. The only good Luc Besson film. Yes. Um, <laughs> Gary Oldman in The Rule of a Lifetime. No, hang on. Um, <laughs> he did Leon. He did do Leon, actually. I don't, I don't yeah. really like Leon that much. Fuck off. um but yeah so um it is a beautiful gorgeous sci-fi romp where an unspeakable evil from the universe is heading towards earth intent on wiping out all life in the galaxy yeah slightly thanos like but this is he's going for he's going for everything not just half of it yeah um and the only way to stop him is to use the ultimate weapon (gasps) the original weapon a weapon left on earth by species a space-faring species, long, long, long departed. That look ridiculous. <laughs> they do. They look insane. Um, but the weapon itself consists of the five elements. <gasps> and that's the entire MacGuffin for the film. And you have several factions all hunting these down. You have Gary Oldman's Jean-Baptiste Emmanuel oh. Zorg hunting them down. You have Ian Holmes, <laughs> religious fruitcake monk leader kind of guy yep. hunting them down. You have the uh, EarthGov hunting them down. Yep. The only person not hunting them down is Corbin Dallas, yep. Bruce Willis, who is forced to hunt them down because everything's <laughs> going crazy around him. Because <laughs> she fell into his taxi cab. She did, That's yeah. Right. And, uh, and, and has forced him to have his license suspended. Yeah. <laughs> he had an accident. Oh, God, such a good film. Oh, every time you mention it, I want to watch it. It is, it is so good. And the... These the stones become this kind of this push to to move um to move everything forward because when Lilu um crash lands into Corbin's car, uh, she doesn't have the stones. Nope. She's supposed to meet someone to get the stones, and you have the first act of the film is basically trying to work out what she wants, why she's there, who's going. Second act of the film um takes him through the chaos of trying to of who's going to go and organize all this. You have um, all the different factions starting to work out where the stones are. Yep. But then you get the third act of the film and you find out where the stones are or rather who they're in. Yeah. <laughs> because you get, the, <laughs> yeah, you get the incredible opera scene, mm, um, really which is fucking brilliant. But the stones are inside the opera scene. Yeah. S- and she looks like a twelic sp- from Star Wars, doesn't she? Yeah, yeah, she does, yeah. But yeah, surgically implanted inside her. So when she gets shot in the gut, you get... Bruce Willis having to do what Bruce Willis does best, reach inside yep. and pull the stones out Is, of the blue Are lady. they in her because she's like the purest creature or something Something along those lines? I think it's mentioned something so like that. She's the pure the one. Prob- yeah, the problem with Luke Besson's storytelling, or rather world building, is some of these things aren't explained. Yeah, he cares more like, about fashion than, than function. Yeah, like, like what uh, Plava Laguna's relationship is to Lilu's race. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Butch. She is there as a guide, so to speak. Um, and yeah, the stones are within her, and they are four um, kind of um, obelisks. I don't know what. Yeah, four four little obelisks that you have to take to Egypt. Yeah, because everything not? happens in Egypt because the pyramids are part of the weapon, of course. Of course, because that would explain the existence of the pyramids. <clears throat> They're not batteries, guys. Get off it. <laughs> 
and you, t- you you take the stones there, you place them on there, and then you have to in- integrate each element with them. Yeah. So the fire one, you need to just drop a match on top of it. Yeah, but that's the best Earth, one, isn't it? <laughs> bit, bit of dust on top. Wind. Water. Well, water is easy enough just to squeeze out some sweat on it, <laughs> and wind, you blow on it. Yeah. But there is, of course, the fifth element, which is Lilu herself. Yeah. Oh. And what is the fifth element? For it is love. Mm. Disney style. <laughs> Disney he's been, been watching Captain Planet then. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're the you can do it too. And it, it might, to be fair, it might be the worst moment in the movie, but you know, it's like Bruce Willis plants his lips onto Lilu and then the weapon activates and destroys the evil and we get a second moon. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm telling you that there isn't a bad moment in this film. I even like that bit. No, there isn't. I mean that is like literally the worst bit and it's still pretty good and it's yeah. still pretty effective the way it works but I just I just like them because I think the film knows that it's kind of stupid it does it like, does yeah and it just plays on it like the idea that the stones that everyone's searching for are inside a, gal- a galaxy famous singer <laughs> It's like it's like literally being, inside. It's like her. if someone said to me that the secret to saving humanity, the cure to the pandemic, is in Ariana Grande's stomach. Yeah, it's the equivalent. Yeah, and it's so stupid, but it works so well. And it it also again, it's like because you know I'm a nerd for production design. I like how the stones look. They're they're these kind of trying trying to buy them as well, can't you? And they look great. Yes, I've seen it a few times on nerdy sites. It's just like, oh, do I? Imagine if you bought one and and you blew on one and it started opening. You'd shit yourself, wouldn't you? I would. I would. Yeah, I'd be hunting down Miljovovic, wondering, hang on a sec, love, I need activate. Mate, she'll do out for a few quid. I mean, what? She did six Resident Evil films. Yeah, and Monster Hunter. <laughs> um, yeah, there isn't much to say on it because, like I said, just um, it's such a wonderful film, and we've talked about it before. But yeah, I, I, as MacGuffins go, I really like the Elemental Stones. I think it's it's a very good way to drive the plot forward. You've got so I think five different factions at one point, yeah. like really interested in them, including the deity and, um, itself. Including the deity itself, you get the great scene when the stones have been retrieved. Mm. On the um, uh, when the, when they're on the Flustum Paradise yeah. ship, and um, you've got that fantastic shootout with them trying to escape. Mm. You've got um, you've got Ruby Rod hiding under a piano, screaming because Corbin Dallas is throwing grenades. <laughs> Ruby Rod's incredible. Just, it just works. Oh yeah, Ruby Rod's amazing. It's one of the best things Chris Tucker's ever done. Yes, absolutely. I think I think you could you could almost say Lilo is also a MacGuffin, but you don't realize it until the very end. Well, yeah, because that's kind of the twist, isn't it? Yeah, it's it, it's a good, it's a great film. If you've not seen Fifth Element, you know we love it on this podcast. You need yeah. to watch it, even even if even if we told you the exact plot and the ending, you'd still need to watch it because it's visually stunning. It is. I don't remember it that well liked by by myself. I just don't remember much about it. But I remember the bits kind of that you referred to. Yeah, I saw it so long ago. It the, still um, looks great. The, the the director puts in these wonderful kind of like crash shots between things where you have people talking, basically a conversation across several scenes. Yeah, where um, the the one that always jumps to my mind is when the um, uh, is when the pig alien things bring back the case to Zorg, and it's kind of cut with Lilu explaining to Ian Holm, like oh, Ian Holm's oh, character, yeah. what's what, what's what's going on and where the stones are and all that, and she's like Ian Holm's like rapidly translating whatever Lilu's saying. And um, you get and you get the so, so where are the stones? And then you get like the it cuts to Gary Oldman opening the case, going, 
where are the stones? Yeah. They're laughing and stuff like that. And it's just wonderful crash cuts that, that, that flip across each other. Yeah. It, um, it's so stylish and so funny. I really love it. And I just wish fashion did turn into that, really. I wish we could all get away with wearing what they all wear. <laughs> do, you, do, do you want a Perspex headpiece? Yeah, I want yeah. a I, I just want to wear what Ruby Rod wears, really. <laughs> Every single outfit what, 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 he wears. The wild, the, the wild cat suits with oh, the huge collars. God. I just want to carry a microphone with me everywhere. I'm sure we could make like <laughs> make your hair into like a tube easily, <laughs> easily. <laughs> yeah, great, great, great pick. Uh, I believe we've mm. done all the ones we love, haven't we? So it's now yeah. onto the ones we don't like so much. So this could be controversial for some people, but Biggie, go for it. Uh, yeah, again, this is uh, for memory as well. But I really tried to like this movie when it came out, and I was with it <laughs> to be don't say fifth element. <laughs> Yeah, until the plot device was revealed, and then I just lost it. And it's the movie Wanted. Yes, yes, <laughs> which is a great comic book. It's a great. It's a great comic book. Oh, it starts off really bad well. Film. Oh, it's a terrible film. <laughs> it starts off so well with the action sequence at the beginning. If you remember, with the assassin being chased yep. over the rooftops, it looks really cool. There's some really cool effects in this movie, and. Well, I mean, the film starts stars with James McAvoy, Morgan Freeman, Terence Stamp, Commonant, of course, Angelina Jolie. Mm. The plot revolves around Wesley Gibson, who's played by McAvoy, is a frustrated accounts manager. One evening, Wesley is told by a woman named Fox, Angelina Jolie, that his recently murdered father was actually an assassin. What? And the killer named Cross is now hunting him. When they have this big shootout, Near Wesley, he panics, um, gets flipped into a car, which looks completely awesome, <laughs> and then everything else is explained to him after that. That when he awakens in a factory surrounded by Fox and all the other assassins, the group's leader Sloane, played by Morgan Freeman, forces Wesley at gunpoint to shoot the wings of several flies, yeah. which he does, much to Wesley's shock. Sloan then explains that his panic attacks actually, and he's taking medication to try and stop um, panic, panic attacks, yeah. attacks down. So actually it's a rare ability that allows him to distribute massive amounts of adrenaline to his brain. It's basically Sloan's bullet time mode, isn't it? Yeah. Sloan's perception of his surroundings <laughs> granted him superhuman strength and speed, which allowed them to fire bullets around corners. <laughs> Curved shots. Like, you I know like the curved shot thing. It looks very impressive, <laughs> like and I didn't really have a problem with that at this point. You'd love it but if I it was did. in the Matrix. Yeah, but what I did have a problem with was when it's revealed that his father, as well as cross all members of a fraternity, a society of assassins, mm. that they maintain balance in the world. <laughs> and how do they find out about this? By point? the most ridiculous well, thing. Sloane, <laughs> Many centuries ago, a group of weavers oh, discovered sec- secret messages between the threads of the, the loom. loom. <laughs> the loom of fate. These were, pre- these were presented as binary codes, which went to so the name of a person whose fate, fate decreed should be executed. From that moment on, I just lost interest it's in the movie. Bollocks. I don't even know how it ends. I just can't remember. I just don't remember. Who's giving these? Just... Who's giving these orders? A fucking loom machine. Yeah, a machine that's that's. It's not digital. It's the most analog of old-fashioned Tudor. <laughs> it's a Tudor-style loom, which is used a ribbon, a sharp ribbon. Yep. Is is basically sewing cotton. <laughs> yeah. It's... Doesn't someone have to control that manual as well? So yeah, you, you have to press it like an organ. You could just put any name you, you want. Put any in, name like... you want yes. in it. Yeah. yeah. 
I, I I like the fact that these films get made with stupid shit like this. And like these films are expensive. How many people have to approve this shit? That's the bollocks. The bollocks <laughs> and, is. And, and no, 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 no one sat there and like just read through the synopsis of the film and goes, "The Loom of Fate." Yeah. <laughs> the thing is, though, it, 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 you can imagine someone that could see in the future that just sat there and went in the graphic novel. They're doing so much smarter and, and 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 cleverer that the the loom it, it's not a, a spinning wheel of destiny no, it, doesn't, it doesn't operate on itself someone's <laughs> controlling it. the seer you know what i mean some and, right, and then okay. you find out that they're corrupt that's why it's all bollocks do you know what i mean but in the film no 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 it's just, it's just a sentient loom it's just a sentient loom <laughs> 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 it's fucking stupid and, and, it ruins it that was the thing it, the trailer absolutely sold this movie to me. Yeah, it's supposed to be the new Matrix. I saw the movie, the, the start of it, just I thought, oh yeah, I like the way this is going. This is really cool. The car scene. Yeah, and McAvoy whacks uh, Chris, um, what's his Chris name? Pratt. Chris Pratt around the face with a fucking keyboard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I just thought, yeah, I thought it looked so good, really cool. And yeah, just went off the rails completely. <laughs> just that loom thing was just ridiculous. Sorry. I mean, it, I'm sure somebody can explain how it made sense. But no, they can't. That's the problem. That's why it's a bad MacGuffin. It's a terrible <laughs> ma- It should have been someone controlling it like it was in the books. Someone yep. controlling it and being corrupt. We, 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 all, we can all grasp that. You know what I mean? We all understand a bad person that's in charge of what seems to be the right thing to do. And they even allude to it in the, in the film where Morgan Freeman's saying stuff like, oh, uh, I, I've been nominated as the person that needs to die, but I'll just throw that away. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it's fucking... It's, it sucks. It sucks. And it's a shame because it could have been the new Matrix. It had everything going yeah. for it. Sexy people doing sexy things. Absolutely. It did look good, but yeah, just poor, poor execution. Yeah, yeah shite MacGuffin, man. Wow. Great fucking pull, though. I haven't thought about Wanted for years, and now I'm angry again. <laughs> 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 that's what I wanted hey. <laughs> oh, that's all you did there <laughs> right my turn now so I'm going to go on th- now don't misconstrue this MacGuffin as uh, I believe the film's bad because I love this film I want to talk about the golden briefcase in Pulp Fiction because mm. there's a lot to this and Tarantino knew exactly what he was fucking doing as we all know in real life it was just a briefcase with a light bulb in it <laughs> of course <laughs> but occasionally a camera in it occasionally so a camera in it yeah. Vince, Vince Vega so if you don't know um, in Pulp Fiction it is a very pulp film where it's multiple personalities um, intertwined in a very similar tale all orbiting around this briefcase which is uh, a briefcase that's been requested by the kingpin of crime uh, Marcellus Wallace um, basically we need to get that but it's barely a plot because it's a Tarantino film especially an early Tarantino mm. film where there is barely a plot it's just an excuse for people to have long dialogues which I, I adore don't get me wrong I love it uh, the main thing about this MacGuffin is the fans of the of the film how they tell what that MacGuffin is how they explain it is there's so many theories that Tarantino's never ever alluded to at all he won't even discuss it he doesn't know because he doesn't because basically he he doesn't care that's probably what it boils down to he didn't do it for that yeah the briefcase is literally just a jumping off point for the plot so (laughs) some of the theories a lot of people think it's diamonds which makes sense but diamonds aren't gold (laughs) um (laughs) one of the more favorite one is elvis's gold suit (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> Another one that um, that a lot of people think it's a small nuclear device, which is bollocks. <laughs> that, that, that would be a bit extreme, even for Marcellus yeah. Wallace. And and the main the the main the main like super conspiracy is a lot of people think it's the soul of Marcellus Wallace is inside there. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I mean, I mean to, to, to be fair, that one is the most believable thing that Tarantino yeah. would put in yeah. there. Yeah, it is. Because then, then it, it becomes an allegory. Yeah, I just thought it was gold. <laughs> it's, just, it's just gold. So <laughs> that, that, that actual conspiracy stems from, it's the most persistent and ingenious theory, is that what is inside the case is nothing short of the soul of gang kingpin Marcellus Wallace, who sold it to Satan and is trying to get it back. The imposing mob boss wears a band-aid on the back of his neck, reportedly because Activing Rames has a scar there and wanted to hide it for, for the iconic over-the-shoulder shot. But it's also been argued that when the devil takes your soul, he takes it from the back of your neck. And it would also explain why bullets miraculously miss Vincent and Jules in an apartment shooting, which is divine intervention. It's surely more likely to help your ass when you're on soul-saving business. And the briefcase combination, <laughs> what's the briefcase combination? 666. That's, that's what I found online. Um, and that's the most prominent fan theory that they are. I've always liked that theory. It's, it's clever, but... I genuinely believe, as a MacGuffin, I just think Tarantino were like, I like how this looks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like how it looks, and people are going to obsess over it. Because I think Pulp Fiction's one of those films that it's not necessarily unreliable narrator or anything like that, but the timeline's unreliable, isn't it? It's all mixed up and interweaved. The timeline's mm. just, just all, all over the shop. Like, mm. Well, yeah, because, because you get characters killed in one scene and then, then they appear again. in the next scene. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And the beginning starts as the ending starts. Yeah, it's... It, it's just that beginning and ending little fact on that. Mm. The continuity area with that is there. There is. There is. Oh. Watch the beginning and what uh, Honey Bunny says at the start is completely different to what she says at the end. Nice. So there is and unreliable. Whether he, whether he noticed, whether he fucked that up or not, I don't know. I think he said it's intentional. He will do that. <laughs> I think he just fucked up at the editing. It's and his second it. film. He was still in. I yeah. mean, Reservoir Dogs <laughs> has the worst continuity errors known to man. There's full pools of blood that have disappeared. <laughs> As a slight aside, after after last week's podcast, I watched Game Night this week. Uh, I didn't mention it before, but yeah, I watched Game Night this week. And uh, the reference to Pulp Fiction that happens in that, I nearly died laughing. Oh, right. I, I still haven't seen so Game good. Night yet. But yeah, I, I think as a MacGuffin, I think it's it's so lacklustre for the actual story because I'm not talking Ark of the Covenant style thing, but the story could have continued without that. It could have just been owed money or owed debt or an old, an old favour because it's just, just a briefcase. You know what I mean? It could be anything. And it's 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 only referenced at the start of the film when they go into the apartment to get it, yeah. and then in the restaurant at the end, yeah. Um, and oh, when when Vincent and um, Marcellus is telling, is um, he's, yeah. he's telling, yeah, I want you to get it. You know what I mean? That kind of yeah. thing. But yeah, that's, yeah, there's that's, also that's the only time it's referenced. People think it's to do with the betting that they had with Butch, Butch's character with the boxing. That's right. People yeah. think this money. It's just it, it it for me a MacGuffin is something like the Infinity Stone, something that matters and this doesn't matter at all <laughs> it's so shite that scene when they try to shoot um vincent yeah. and um yeah. divine intervention jules i just love the way after the bullets have stopped and they just turn around and look behind them <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah so good the raise so their so guns good. in sync it's, it's, an, it's, shit. it's an incredible <laughs> film that doesn't need it that's what i'm saying shit mcguffin that's not needed won't we on 27 mm. years later Still discussing it, still I having suppose, theories I about suppose, it. Yeah, it's left an impact. There are theories, yeah. I think it, on his deathbed, he'll just be like, 
What? It, it was gold. Case, it was. Uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> it was a Game Boy. It was a light bulb. Uh. It was feet porn. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was definitely that, wasn't yeah. it? Uma Thurman's feet. A picture of Pictures. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. But yeah, I, I think. Really bad toenails. It's, it's a great film that doesn't need it, and people are going to think that I think that the film's bad, but I don't. I adore the film. No, it's the MacGuffin that's bad. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I mean, I mean, the thing is that the film, the film treats the MacGuffin like it's not there anyway. Yeah, I guess it, it does. You only see it three times in the film. Yeah, but but even on some of the blurbs on back of the DVD and stuff, it mentions it as if it's the most important thing. Like they have to retrieve. No, it's just it's just a it's just a reason for them to go into yeah. that apartment and to kick off the plot. Yeah, exactly. It, yeah, it's, it's a great film. Ignore, ignore the MacGuffin in it. It's a shite MacGuffin. So we'll move on to Stig. Uh, I'm going to talk about a terrible MacGuffin. How many called... times have we said MacGuffin? Can we get a, uh, the words it, lost it, all a MacGuffin count, please? This is a drinking game for our listeners. <laughs> it's called Unobtainium. Can you obtain it? <laughs> From the film Avatar. One of the worst films I've ever watched. <laughs> and it is just... An absolutely pointless MacGuffin that we just never actually find out what it's for. It's a shite name it, as well. We, yeah, that's, that's the yeah. worst thing about it. That's that 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 just hard to get to just him. Took me out of the movie completely. Like before anything else happened, was we're going for unobtainable. It's like oh, just like it sounds like. Why could I call it yeah. Element Zero or like? Because yeah, it's called gold. it anything, but they called it something that's just uh, that sounds like it's hard to get. Like oh, it's God. like. The name you is. Imagine the round the table. Yeah. Let's call it. Can't get hold of any of them. Um, no. <laughs> this is hard to get them. Yeah. <laughs> like, it could have been shy. Rare No. Yeah, it was just. But the, the problem is with it is that it's never really explained why the humans. Why they need it. Want, why they need it. Why, why are they raging war on the Navi and why are they on this planet and why are they going for all this strenuous. Like. But they just mention it's precious metal, which it's not fuel. Yeah, of making these avatar system of of setting all this stuff up to send people into the, the navi camps and infiltrate them and and do all this like we're not told why we're just told that they want unobtainium. That and guy like, wants why? it. <laughs> why do you want it? Is it like yes, yes, it's precious and it's uh, it's worth trillions, but trillions to who? What is it? Some kind of Diamond. precious metal that could like yeah, like or can it uh, cure diseases yeah. or can it? Is it radioactive so it could fuel? You know, be the, be the be the most destructive bomb in the world, like in the universe. Or yeah, is it like a fuel that could last for years and years and years, like a, a drop of it? Or is it last just navi manure? Yeah, like what? What the fuck is it? Why do we care? <laughs> Why are humans on this planet raging war on this planet and on this civilization and? This sentient Everything. civilization. They're not yeah. just attacking insects. Yeah. <laughs> why is it there? People. What is unobtainium? What are we there for? Why why are we watching these people? And that's it, Ria. I just It's, it's garbage, shit. mate. It's it, proper garbage. It's an awful MacGuffin to get people on this planet to tell a retelling of Pocahontas. Yeah. I, I always I always love when science fiction films like come up with like a new element or a new thi- like a new thing that they need to mine out of yeah. a planet or whatever. Spice Marange. Yeah, because none of them get around. Like, yeah, like, like, look at like, uh, like Dune. It takes them fucking ages to explain what the spice is, or um, like heroin. <laughs> yeah, the it's in everything. The, yeah. the, the best, the best one I've ever seen, and like the most perfect way to kind of explain that kind of thing is how they do it in um, uh, uh, Captain America when they explain what vibranium is. Yes, 
Yeah. Because they literally say, this is made of vibranium, and pull out the shield and show you exactly it's what a, it's It's from a meteorite that landed in Wakanda. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like, yeah. from, from you hearing the name to seeing what it's good for, it's like yeah. 20 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> and they say vibranium is the hardest substance known to man. Fair enough. We've got you. We understand it. Yeah. Perfect, yeah. great, but yeah, you, you get these ones where they just pull out, pull a name out of their ass, like like unobtainable. Like when you put that on our Discord, I just fucking giggled. What for if a you find minutes. out? What if you found <laughs> it's out? Such that a stupid name. Unobtainium was stupid some, film. Some, like, shy, like a really potent Viagra or some kind of fucking just. It's just it's bollocks. It, it, I mean, sticks right. It's not explained, but like the the kind of the way they kind of talk around it, it's almost like it's just like a fucking inert metal. Yeah, exactly. Like, it just doesn't I, do I like anything. In Pocahontas and. Fern Gully, which it's riffing on, it's all about land, isn't it? That's that's the goal, like more, more yeah. land. That's why the English and the Spanish came Pocahontas and tried to destroy that civilization because the land. Same with Fern Gully, it's all about deforestation. This makes no fucking sense <laughs> because we the, don't know the what Avatar it's for. Project must cost squidillions. <laughs> so, I've, so I've actually had to Google it. Um, and so in the film Avatar, humans are most interested in Pandora because it's a rich source of an element that does not exist on Earth called unobtainium. <laughs> in the film, unobtainium from Pandora is used to generate energy on Earth. Wow. That's all the explanation you get. So they obviously don't understand what nuclear energy is or hydro energy or anything like that on Earth anymore. Bollocks. Yeah, the wind. The, 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 wind. the, the, the problem is, though, the name unobtainium is actually a word in the English language. And it's it's used by engineers to explain something that doesn't exist. Ah, <laughs> just ah. James Cameron trying to be clever. So right, okay, like fine. So they say that it's energy, but it's the guy in it. The main, the main it, bad it, guy. It'd be more, it's all it would make money, more sense if they were if they make more sense. Yeah, if they said like Earth is on its last it's legs, fucked. we have no yeah. oil left, we have no nuclear power left, we have no like stuff like we can't with power rise. cities. We can't power our yeah. We can't power our cities. We can't power our hospitals. We can't do anything. Yeah. We need something. Get us to understand why you are attacking this. Instead, it's just that guy that wants profit, isn't it? <laughs> but instead, it just looks like it's just horrible rah rah gun ho military people shooting like peace, a peaceful civilization yeah. for no reason. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It it it's it's what make us. I'm not say care, but make us understand why you are doing this. Not just say, oh, yeah, you need to be invested. You're right. I mean, yeah, like, why did this film become the like biggest successful film in history at one because point? Because of the 3D I, bullshit around it. Fucking hell, people were bored that month. <laughs> fucking hell. But yeah, unobtainium is absolute <laughs> shite. I, I'd, lo- I'd love to see someone like fire back at us and say, oh yeah, I love Avatar and obtainium is a great MacGuffin and stuff like that. No, no. No. <laughs> okay, <laughs> if you love Avatar, that's fine. It did, at the time, it had some brilliant like visuals. The story, uh, the visuals are what sold it and for the, me more. The great but Sam the, Worthington. But the <laughs> <laughs> the script and the, the story had been done before. <laughs> it's crazy and obtaining. <laughs> hey. <laughs> but yeah, like uh, it's fine if you like Avatar. I can see reasons why. Yeah. But like, yeah, it looks the guffin in it. Is an absolute shit one. It is, mate. Perfect. Uh, one, uh, in fact, probably the hardest to top out of all of them we've discussed today is the shittiest. <laughs> it is fucking crap. Right, gadget. What you got? Okay, so I've got one. It may top it. It all depends on how you how you feel towards this game. Um, because I want to talk about Fallout Four, and I want to talk about the main character's son, Sean. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Yeah. 
No, no, so no, no, of, no, no. <laughs> so the start of Fallout 4, you know, you you, you pick whether you're playing, um, is it it's Nick or Nora. Nick or Nora. Um, yeah. Um, you pick your character. You exist, you exist in this world of, you know, Retro futurism, nineteen fifties, wedded bliss. Yes, the Jetsons. You have the new son, Sean. You have a floating robot with a, with a buzzsaw on it. Who's your fire butler. underneath it? And that's from a yes. film, isn't it? Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist. Oh, yeah. that's the link. Or is it? Oh no, sorry, it's not Nick. It's Nate. Uh, Nathan, oh, right. the, Nathan's the, the male soul survivor. Um, that's where I'm getting confused. But yeah, Nora's definitely the woman. Um, but yeah, so you, you're introduced to your baby Sean, and you, you know you see him. He, he looks as good as anything in the creation engine can look. No, he looks horrible. Um, like that—that's the joke. Oh, I'm gonna say all babies like a look potato. horrible in games. <laughs> no, no, no. He looks like a potato. Yeah, um, except BB. <laughs> BB looks incredible. Yeah. Oh yes, because Kojima knows what he's doing. Oh. Um, then of course you know the nuclear apocalypse happens, and you're you're rushed to Vault One Eleven. Yeah. Which is conveniently just around the corner. From it's behind his house. <laughs> it is literally behind his house. <laughs> and you, oh and you, you are sequestered. You are sequestered away in cryogenic pods mm. to to await a time when it's safe to safe. They to just think it's the um, world. they're just getting deloused or something, don't they? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. They're absolutely lied to. You. It's <laughs> yeah. proper Voltec bullshit. Just clean you up, guys. <laughs> Get in here. It's a shower. Frozen. Yeah. Um, that, that, I think that's actually literally what um, So you, you, you get in your pod, and the pod in front of you is basically the spouse that you didn't pick. Yes. So if you pick Nora, yes. it'll be Nate, or vice versa. Is there holding Sean? And you, and your pod kind of malfunctions a bit, and you kind of wake up from your cryo sleep a little bit to see. Oh my god! To see Kellogg, a bald man with a giant gun, that has nothing to do with cereals. No, <laughs> steal the baby from your partner and murder them. Yeah, I don't get why he they shoots take them. Take your baby because he fights back. He's a bastard. <laughs> they could have just taken the baby and slammed the door yeah, shut no. again, but no, they had to shoot him. Um, and so the plot for Fallout Four starts proper, where you are on a quest to find your kidnapped son, Sean, the MacGuffin. And you indeed. eventually get out. And you know what? I encountered Sean at the end of the game for all of an hour. Yeah. Yeah, because that game is massive. I love Fallout Four. I know a lot of people didn't like it, but I enjoy Fallout Four. At no point through any of the game did I ever feel the impetus to find my fucking son. Hey, because it is, it, it is presented in such a stupid, in a stupid, pointless way. Like as soon as you get out the vault, there's no one saying, "Oh yeah, you should really go and look for your son." Like, no, set up a camp, get the Minutemen, join the, the Brotherhood of Steel. In trouble. Go kill some raiders. Brotherhood of Steel arrived. Like, is, is it that? No point does the game ever push you in the direction of it until you accidentally happen upon the institute, and it's just like, oh, there's a, there's a little kid. I must have been asleep for ten years because there is Sean. Yeah, and then the director of the institute comes out and goes, "Hello, mother or father." I say, no, you've been asleep for 70 years. Sean is now the leader of the Institute. He's the baddie. He's, he's the baddie putting ah! the sensor. He wants his parent to take over the family business because he's got cancer. And if you're me, like, I said, Fuck okay. Off. <laughs> I joined I shot him. him in the face. I joined him. I was, so mad, I was so mad at that twist. I just pulled whatever right weapon I had out and shot him in the face. It's clever, isn't it? How they, make Sean, how, how they make Sean, whatever like uh, skin tone or whatever you make, they try and make him look a bit like a mixture of the mother and father, don't know, whatever you do. And it looks like a monstrosity. Oh, my God. Seriously, 
if you want a monstrosity like that completely away from the game, look up the baby from the Twilight film. Is it awful? I've never oh, yeah, seen I've, seen I've never that, yeah. seen the film, but I've seen the baby. <laughs> it's disgusting. Where they, they do like a CGI baby of the mixture of the two oh. of them and it's meant to age a bit quicker than the people. It's it's a horrendous monstrosity. I fucking hate it when they do babies bad. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, the 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 whole point of the, of the plot to push you forward because it was heavily in the marketing that you know yeah. your son has been yeah. stolen lost, you have to yeah. you you have to head throughout the commonwealth to find your lost progeny is like no you don't. no you don't at no point does the game push you in that direction you get a thousand <laughs> messages from preston fucking garvey telling you that another settlement is in trouble at no point does anyone go oh yeah i saw a kid coming through here yeah. i was gonna say imagine you having to look you know when you go through your audio logs or mission hmm. logs whatever you can imagine looking at that in that game seeing the set up camp main objective yeah. and then optional find your it son. seems like that <laughs> the thing is well the thing is that, that is the main quest is. that is, is yeah. always in the Pip-Boy throughout it is yeah. find the Sean the problem with it's Fallout like, 4 is and I, I like it as well apart from the fact that with all Bethesda games I feel like I'm ice skating but just pretend it's an ice skating simulator I like yeah. I like that, that <laughs> when you do a faction's missions and they're long they feel like a good solid ending. Some of them, don't they? You just oh think, yeah, I've done. I can I can just live out rest of my life in this Commonwealth and never find my son because it's such a minor <laughs> well, thing. Yeah, the thing is, well, with with Sean being the head of the institute, like you spend the entire game with no reason to sympathise with the institute. Absolutely, they're the boogeymen. So when you were there, yeah, they're the boogeymen. They're replacing people in the Commonwealth with synth- synthetics. So and you know, we've all seen Alien. Whoa. Yeah, that's. Stig's just sent me a photo of that baby from Twilight, and I am haunted now. <laughs> My phone's haunted. What the fuck is that? What the fuck is that? That is the most grotesque thing ever. Is it supposed to be a vampire baby? It's like half human, half vampire, isn't it? It looks like point? Chucky. I think I'm not really too sure I just know that the baby is, is oh, that is the most disgusting thing I've ever seen on my own and I've seen some disgusting things <laughs> sorry for cutting you off there. that was foul yeah. anyway yeah what I was what I was what I was trying to say is like throughout the entire game you've never been given any reason to sympathise with the institute mm. they're the bo- you're right Eagles. they're the boogeymen of the, of the commonwealth yeah. they're replacing people with synthetics they're the baddies and you know we've all seen Alien. Yep, synthetics are bad. The milky, milky bastards. Unless they're Bishop. <laughs> yeah, Bishop's a good yeah. guy. Bishop's a good lad. Mm. Um, so yeah, so when you get to the institute, like you get to the institute with all the kind of intentions of like spying on them or sabotaging them or whatever the plot gets you to, and you meet Sean, he's just like, "Hello, father. Come lead the institute with me. Join the family business." Look what we are order. doing for the future of the world. Yeah, it's just like you're, you're experimenting on humans. <laughs> you're experimenting on humans. You're killing all the cats, yeah. and you're replacing people with synthetics. That's not really what you're doing for the human I'm race. I'm sure they're doing something What's... nasty to kids as well, aren't they? Oh, probably There's something there. The other, the other thing that they don't explain is if Sean is dying, as he is, why don't they just put his brain in a synthetic? Yeah, because they seem to be able to do that. Yeah, <laughs> they do it quite well to the point where you can go. It's, it becomes a game if you happen to kill an NPC. It's just like, oh, they're synthetic. Oh, they were. They've got a synthetic component. Yep. Uh, yeah, it's it's stupid. It's it's stupid. They, they, they didn't ha- they didn't have to like the the 
the best MacGuffin Fall I ever did was Benny in um, in New Vegas. Yeah. Because, you know, you're not you're not hunting for your father, you're not hunting for your child, you're hunting for that fucker that shot me yeah, in the revenge head. Revenge is a great yeah. MacGuffin. <laughs> yeah. yeah, great. Benny's I, I, brilliant. I do think no. Fallout 3 does it better, though, looking for Liam Neeson. You would want to look for Liam Neeson. Well, d- until he changed his career and he started looking yeah, for people. Yeah, other way around. <laughs> yeah. Isn't this like a, a major problem that all RPGs kind of have, though, really, isn't it? It's like there is a MacGuffin that you have to. You're, go you're to either and get the chosen to, one or but, looking for the chosen but one. But you're looking for and you're doing something, but in the meantime, you just fuck off and yeah. do like hundreds of hours yeah. of other things before you do it. Yeah, rummaging like, through it, people's houses. <laughs> There's so, so so many memes of Breath of the Wild of like of like yeah. Prince of Princess Zelda saying Link, I need you. It's been a hundred years, and Link just like fucking around with Korok on a skateboard. Yeah, or like he's yeah. like he's, or he's like he's like cooking, and then the next thing she's like, Link, are you are you gonna come help? And it's just him like going down a hill on these like shields, yeah. like going yeah. Wee! having the yeah. bestest time, living his best yeah. life. <laughs> but uh, it's true though. I mean, the the sense of time is is quite badly portrayed in games because. You're allowed to go off and do those side quests and stuff, and really they're still saying, "Well, you need to do this to save the yeah. world or save this person." But yeah, I'll just play a card game with this guy for a while. You know? <laughs> oh, so you played The Witcher Three? Yeah, he's right. Though. I mean, I, I think if a MacGuffin like finding your lost son should be for more a, a linear experience, in my opinion. It it needs yeah. to have a little bit That's of priority the most, for the character. As a father, in real life, that would be my. I wouldn't be. Fucking looking, getting my hair dyed and looking for new yeah. outfits to wear. I mean, I would, but <laughs> just on the way. <laughs> yeah, it would be a passing yeah, interest. Yeah, but oh, that's a nice hat. I'd wear that. But yeah, yeah it's so you certainly weird. wouldn't be setting up a settlement. No, 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 no time for that. <laughs> my son's missing, and for all well, I, I know, he's a baby. The railroad. <laughs> it's so fucking stupid, man. Yeah, yeah. I feel bad that Candy's not here to defend her love. I think she, I think she would agree with me on this one. Like she, much as she I loves so. Fallout, I think she would agree that it's a really stupid setup. Like I, I've barely played Skyrim, but the MacGuffin in Skyrim is better. You are the chosen one. It's just simpler, isn't it? You're yeah. the one that can. And there's also dragons fucking. Yeah, you up. you're yeah. the one that I don't can save the world. I don't, I don't think there's any like kind of time constraint on that either. Exactly. It's just like there's a there's a war happening between two. Yeah, people, and it's like that could just happen over over time. Yeah, it's not exactly. like it happens, way, has to be resolved within like an hour. Yeah, yeah. Come on, Bethesda, do better. We know you can. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. So I'm sure we've got a big MacGuffin filled sack from our listeners, and I just I just like to know what what they think. What, what? Come on, get your sack out, Gadget. Let's have a look. Have a little cheeky look. Well, we are absolutely lousy with MacGuffins at the minute. There's so many of them; they're just spilling all over <laughs> the place. Uh, terrestrial extras come in saying the dude's rug in the Big Lebowski. Oh, yes, yep. the pursuit of the rug didn't continue throughout the film, but it certainly kicked the story off, and it really tied the room together. <laughs> uh, also, the Holy Grail from Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Now that's pure MacGuffin. It is the cup of Christ, indeed. You chose yeah. poorly. Do, do, do we dare mention the Crystal Skull? That's, that's a MacGuffin. I can't even remember anything about that film and the MacGuffin in that. There is a Crystal Skull in it. Yeah, I know there is. They get obsessed <laughs> with it, don't they? Or something stupid. <laughs> And then you've got the Sankara stones yeah. as well in Temple of Doom. Oh, non is it, is it like, well, I mean, the whole Indiana Jones, is a, he's, a, he's collecting artifacts, isn't yeah. he? Like, yeah. It belongs in a museum. Yeah. But like the, the Holy Grail is probably, like, it's probably like the most sought after MacGuffin in history. Across, across history, yeah. really, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. It's the ultimate, yeah. isn't it? The Fountain of Youth, the Holy Grail. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Uh, Leroy Francisco has said, um, 
Not sure what time you guys record, but I'll add this to the conversation. It's fucking ridiculous they made Luke Skywalker into a MacGuffin. They did! This is the, de- <laughs> this is the decision that set the sequel trilogy up for failure. The balance of the force. That's, I'm that's lie, I kind of agree with them there. It's J.J. Abrams all over, isn't it? Yeah. Just like oh, setting yeah. someone up and then just fucking off and letting someone else figure it out. What a dick. <laughs> Oh, R2-D2 had it all this time. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> R2's not turned himself on since Luke left. I mean, R2, you probably could have helped us out a Come lot on. here. We could have got Luke back a long time ago if you'd have just turned on. Dickhead. <laughs> oh, it, it, it's USB-C, that was it. We only yeah, had the ear charger. That's what it, that's what it must have been. Yeah, that's, that's such a stupid load of shite. Ugh, Star Wars, why did you do this to yourself? Um, Bobby Wayne has said Biggie's OnlyFans is the biggest MacGuffin it's a major selling point for the Patreon often talked about in the podcast I've yet to get any feet pics from him <laughs> yeah that, that, we're, we're holding that at arm's length really because we know the second we unleash it we don't have to record ever again we could just make money off no, that I mean, there was also <laughs> the... like the Ark of the Covenant though. yeah unleash it and we're all melting <laughs> <laughs> melting into the pure sexiness close your eyes <laughs> You'll just lose well, all the video after seeing it because nothing's going to be that there sexy. There's an issue about <laughs> sexually, sexually explicit content. We just had to pull back a bit because, you know. Yeah, we have to pull it back. <laughs> Wink. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, Smash is clear said, uh, is there any better McGovern than the dude's rug in The Big Lebowski? It's a cheap rug that somehow drives the entire narrative of the film, but then again, it really did tie the room together. You said that. Which I think is exactly the same it's comment exact- as Terrestrial Extras. It's exactly the same one, but yeah. <laughs> Same gag and everything. Yeah, I mean, I mean, uh, it is, it's a ma- it is it is a big part of it, and yeah, I, I I always forget how much I love Big Lebowski as well. It's a great, it's so movie. fucking good to remember that it exists. Ooh. Yeah, best uh, John Cheatham said the best used MacGuffin in recent memory would be the Infinity Stones in the MCU. The way they're built up throughout the films to actually matter and not just be glowing pebbles for the heroes to pursue is well done. <laughs> they became a big part of the long-term narrative. Probably the weirdest is the, is the one-third umbilical cord in Blood Bowl. Why would you pick one up? Why would you keep picking more of them Why would you eat it? <laughs> Why on earth would you decide to gruffle them down in the back of the hunter's workshop? Why are there four of them? Yeah, the when third. When they're called a one-third umbilical <laughs> Yeah, this <cord>. four. <laughs> I'm not going to argue with them. I love Blood but yeah, that's never made sense. I think it's in case you miss one. You've got another one. It is in case you miss one, because one of them is incredibly context-dependent. Yeah, yeah. Um, but still, there are four of them. Get him at delicious. Mm. <laughs> uh, at film lover GTDG, um, the rabbit's foot in Mission Impossible Three. JJ Abrams has always used MacGuffins in his works, but with this particular one, it helped reset the MIC, uh, the Mission Impossible series, for the better. Yeah, it did like after two, which was just horrendous. Yeah, um, three was. What are you talking like, about? It was John Woo. Two's got the Metallica <laughs> song as well. <laughs> it does. <laughs> Long hair Tom Cruise. I'd like that actually. That intro. I know bow, it was uh, Limp Biscuit. Did, bow, yeah. Biscuit bow, intro bow. on it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, I think um, you know, there's some of JJ Abrams I like, some I don't like, but I think this one worked really well. Um, yeah, I agree. One of my favorite um, Mission Impossible's. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I agree. Um, at Bricked Pit says Maltese Falcon and the One Ring were top. I actually can't remember the bad ones we discussed. We discussed. Did we discuss? No. He. Uh, they. Did um, MacGuffins episode themselves? So I asked oh, them, like, are we what, copying what? them? No, no, no. <laughs> oh. uh, but I asked them what were their favourites and what were their the one ones. ring is a huge one, but it's it, yeah. it, obviously the films kind of obvious. They, they don't they don't change from the books, and it's it's just 
it's it, I think as a narrative plot device, it's a nuclear bomb, isn't it? It's it's it's, it's easy to. Yeah. It's, it, it, I think it works. It works. Um, best boy, angry Kurt has come in saying Bernard's watch. Yeah, <laughs> Bernard's watch. It's a MacGuffin, <laughs> and it makes him be naughty, especially Bernard too. Oh God, Bernard too. He's such a bastard. But it, his email then goes on to say, my suggestion for this topic is one of my favorite Christmas films. Turbo Man from Jingle All the Way. <laughs> <Get> the Turbo <laughs> Man. Which I, I agree with him so much on this one. It's such a lovely film and so Don't stupid. eat my wife's um, cookies. <laughs> like you went from Arnie to the Cookie Monster there. Put the cookie down. Put the cookie down. <laughs> I think this is pretty much a perfect example of MacGuffin as the whole plot of the film centres around two rival dads trying to get their hands on the elusive action figure. It's a lot of fun to watch. Yeah. It is. It's just mm-hmm. big dumb It reminds Christmas me, film. Kurt won't remember this because he was probably a twinkle in his dad's eye, but remember the Teletubby fever back in the uh, oh, the 90s yeah. where people were fighting each other for Teletubby dolls, little It was the same with the, when the Turtles came out and when Transformers came yeah. out. Like Each Christmas there were just people going mad for them. And the PlayStation 5, remember that? Oh, <laughs> still <laughs> haven't got one. Still ongoing, still mate. Still on <laughs> Um, also, shout out to the Krabby Patty from SpongeBob SquarePants, which has centre stage of many episodes. Whenever Plankton comes up with a plot to steal its secret recipe, yeah, it, it, especially in the film as well. The first film um, has a lot to do with the Krabby Patties, Goofy Goobers, and all that kind of nonsense. I've always been, I, I, well, back it back back when it came out, I was always pretty stoned watching SpongeBob SquarePants. So it's it's quite emotional. How <laughs> much to love those those burgers. <laughs> Uh, Nimrod Hicks has said, uh, Dear Mundane Expressions. Well, <laughs> the definition I'm using for this is, quote unquote, a MacGuffin is an object, device, or event that is necessary to the plot and the motivation of the characters, but insignificant, unimportant, or irrelevant in itself. There you go. Therefore, my vote goes to any sporting trophy or medal. No one really cares that much about a piece of metal ah. with coloured ribbons on it, but to be victorious and call yourself World, Olympic, European, or whatever champion is the real motivation. Many trophies are revered, of course, but is the victory the trophy represents that is the real prize, and therefore, for me, at least represents the ultimate MacGuffin. Other than that, Tarantino's use of a briefcase in Pulp Fiction is a must-mention. Clever man. But he's right, though, because, like, you have to give these trophies back. <laughs> so it's like, you don't, they don't care about the trophies, the title, Not unless you win them five times, mate. All I was right. just going to say that. <laughs> <All> right, <okay. laughs> Usually, you have to give these trophies back, all these belts, all these, everything like that. Yeah, it's the title you, you want. You get replicas, don't you? Yeah. I know, like, yeah. I'll mention, mention the wrestling, Biggie. But yeah, I know <laughs> oh. most, wrestlers, most wrestlers get uh, uh, replicas made up to yeah. commemorate when they won the like wearing certain title. Stuff. Yeah. yeah. Do you see that clip on the Twitter with the... Olympic athlete when she walked through the um, metal detector oh, yeah. in the airport. Yeah, she's I love like, that. I haven't got anything on me. Oh, wait. What's <laughs> yeah. this? She's <laughs> medal. She's like, yeah. That was super. Love it. Um, <laughs> Ray is coming with what might possibly be my favourite email of the year, if I'm perfectly yeah, honest. Wow. I'm on escapism. I can hardly think of any MacGuffin more versatile than Matt Damon. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, he is the MacGuffin in everything he's in. <laughs> Mr. D- Mr. Damon's journey began in 1944 as a paratrooper on D-Day. Unbeknownst to him, three of his brothers were killed earlier and an operation was launched to search for him in order to save the last son of his mother. Until this day, Matt still feels he does not deserve the rescue, but he held on to Captain Miller's parting words, 
earn it, live up to the sacrifice made by his comrades. Earn it, he did. He was recruited to the Ares, two, Ares 3 mission to Mars. <laughs> However, due to a loose satellite dish, he missed the return ship. Hardened by his military experience, oh, Mac demonstrated his optimism by being resourceful in establishing communication with Earth and pioneering potato cultivation on the Red Planet while constantly telling bad jokes. Meanwhile, people on Earth banded together, launching a daring rescue mission to bring him home. Being in danger and rescued twice did not temper Mac's desires for adventure. Recent news states he volunteered to travel through a wormhole near Saturn searching for inhabitable planets. Let's wish him good luck for not earning himself another rescue. <laughs> oh, God. I love you, Ray. That was amazing. I, I, I just, like, imagine, like, oh, and after World War II, he, he became a janitor at a college, and then then, <laughs> then, then he became a, a spy but lost his memory. But finally, yeah, you he, them last in time there, we saw him, yeah, he was, he, he's gone through a wormhole and we haven't seen him since. <laughs> Yeah. His, me- his memory was the MacGuffin. I fucking love that. That is fucking top notch. I'm glad I don't read our emails before we do them. Oh. Yeah, I was specifically waiting for your reactions I on that one. I fucking love that. Oh. And I know yeah. he listens to this as well, Matt Damon, so he'll enjoy that himself. Yeah, friend of the show. Yeah, um, yeah your man has come in again, Bobby Wayne. Burning Not content with Biggie's OnlyFans. <laughs> um, he's actually sent an email saying... Uh, hello to you all. I think that movie MacGuffins are a dime a dozen, so I'd like to talk about the biggest recurring video game MacGuffin of all. Mm. The Triforce. Oh, shit, yeah. A golden relic left behind when the three goddesses Din, Faro, and Naryu created the world. It is much sought after treasure of the villain, usually Ganon, as it grants the owner unlimited wishes. Through the course of most of... Uh, Through the course of most games, the Triforce winds up split into its three constituent parts, the Triforces of Power, Wisdom and Courage, with our hero Link either in possession of the Courage or on a quest to retrieve it. Regardless of how the story goes across the multiple iterations, though, the Triforce is relegated to being a plot device and nothing more. Even when finally getting the Triforce of Courage, Link's main benefit comes from the items he obtains upon the way. The worst offence comes in Wind Waker, when the player has the tedious task of collecting eight fragments of it from underwater after deciphering a series of treasure maps. Wind Waker does, however, make some use of the completed Triforce when King Daphne uses uh, uses it to flood Hyrule before Ganondorf can get his hands on it. A magnificent cutscene. I feel after all these years, the Triforce has been a little overused and personally prefer when the developers decide to throw a fucking moon at the planet instead. That's how you set the stakes and drive a plot. (laughs) Rob's such a fucking nerd. You wouldn't think he was, but he is such a fucking nerd. Yeah, I guess I, I guess I liked in Breath of the Wild that the Triforce was just kind of like decoration. I always forget why they're after the Triforce. I didn't know it granted wishes, and I've played nearly yeah, yeah. every Zelda game. <laughs> I didn't know that. No one really plays a Zelda game for the plot, though. Do no. They? <laughs> oh wow, I didn't know. I mean, Wind Waker. Yeah, that that I, I remember it fondly. That moment, and this similar moment in I think Spirit Tracks, the train one. There's very similar yeah. moments in that, but yeah, yeah. Fuck, what a MacGuffin. MacGuffin, MacGuffin, yeah. MacGuffin. But uh, that's <laughs> the end of the mailbox. Wow. Excellent. So I think all we can do now is, oh, Candy's not here, so she can't read it out, but we've got some socials to do and a sneak peek of what we'll be doing next week. I think Stig's going to do it. His old job. He's got his old job back. I am indeed, my babbers. Hello, it's me, <gasps> Candy. <laughs> Oh All my right. God. <laughs> God, who, who knew starting a podcast Rory Bremner would pay off? <laughs> uh, of course, you can find us on Twitter at Modern Escapism. On there, you'll find a link to all of our episodes, social, and our Discord. 
Uh, if you have any comments, you can either tweet us there or email us at modernescapismpod at gmail.com. If you like the gaming streams that we do, we usually try to do them on a Saturday, Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Just look out for the notifications on Twitter, Discord, or Twitch for when we go live. Uh, Candy's usually the only one that actually does one consistently. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, does one with the actual uh, All right. <laughs> schedule. <laughs> so. Um, She's currently doing a horror stream, and she's doing uh, Outlast. Outlast, that's the one. Outwang. Yeah, with the with the willies. Wang out. <laughs> that's number one. That's number one. <laughs> uh, the rest of us will try and get on. Like I said, Biggie does. Biggie dies on Mondays when he can get on. Oodles will do Saturdays, and Gadget and I will be probably on Sea of Thieves on Wednesdays mm. when we can. But uh, yeah, just keep an eye out for the Life notifications finds a way, on them. Unfortunately. Yes, things get in the way, unfortunately, as you say. Mm. Uh, next week, we are going to celebrate the women of Hollywood. Oh, <gasps> yes. So we're going to talk about the women um, that light up our screens. So from actors to directors, writers, screenwriters, Whatever, any any woman in Hollywood, either on the big screen or the small screen, who is amazing. I think that's quite a big. And list don't to worry, it's not just going to be four white guys doing it either. It's going. No, Candy will be back for that Candy's one. Going be, yeah, <laughs> and it's going to be here, and it's going to be the diversity that we usually have, and yeah, it's going to be a massive celebration. We've done it. We've done it. A very uh, negative episode where we've been slagging off MacGuffins in this one, but it's going to be super positive this next one, and I'm looking forward to it because it. It's it's a big topic. Yes. And as ever, if you like what we do, then uh, give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from because it really does help us and drives more uh, eyes and ears onto the, our podcast. Excellent. Thank you very much. If not, you can shove it up your McGuffin. <laughs> <laughs> and for Ooh, our... Sort of practice out of that one. Yeah. For our patrons, <laughs> we will meet you around the back for, you know, cheeky around the back times. But for everyone else... Just good night. Do you know what I mean? There's nothing else I can say. We, I, I, I try not to say the M word again because I've said it too many times today. But yeah, good night. Our kids are wrestling. I'm just trying to go to sleep, I think. Mine don't exist. Would you like one? No. One of mine? No. I recommend the boy one. He's older and he can feed himself. The girl one can't.